figured that would happen. That always happens with these low-budget horror flicks. Next, the lights will probably go out. Episode 14, Sorority Babes in the Dance-a-thon of Death. Happy birthday, Todd Sheets. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hatin' while I skatin' all the while masturbatin'. That's, That's Mo Pawn, yeah! And with me, as always, is the loquacious bastard known as Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly! Bow, 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 bow. Yes, Mo, it's me! Welcome to another Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares. And Mo, I have to say, you sounded rather exhausted as you began <laughs> that introduction just then. Um, and, and perhaps rightfully so. In fact, let me explain to everybody listening why this episode is coming up a little bit late. Um, yes. It was a tragic story. In fact, as you listen to this story, you'll notice how tragic we all sound and how how defeated we were afterwards. <laughs> yeah, we're so we're like deflated at this point. <laughs> well, just to let everybody know, the episode today is focusing on Todd Sheets' uh, luminary, uh, luminary, luminous uh, <laughs> Todd Sheets' seminal low-budget horror film, uh, Sorority Babes in the Dance-a-Thon of Death. And uh, last Wednesday, uh, about a little bit, actually it was a little bit before that, wasn't it? Um, more than ten days ago, yeah. we uh, we recorded an entire two-hour episode about that uh, film, but unfortunately mm. we ran into some technical difficulties. Some ridiculous technical difficulties. And uh, we felt, because we are such purveyors of quality, that... that uh, yeah, you know, we, that and we lost 46 minutes of the episode. Sh- you know, like, no, oh, it's about the quality, Mo. Yeah, that's no. what it is. Because we wanted to keep up to a certain level of quality, we didn't want to release something that um, that just wasn't up to our standards, we decided uh, that we were going to record the entire episode again, which is what's happening right now. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and boys and girls, we are going to record another full episode about Todd Sheets' film, Sorority Babes and the Dance-a-thon of Death. And, uh, and I'm actually kind of pleased about it. It's like getting another a second swing at the old ball. It's like Groundhog Day. It is just like that. In fact, we are bound to have a few uh, weird moments of deja vu as we go through this. <laughs> We're going to have two hours of deja vu. 
Yes, and and uh, which is weird had, because the movie's only seventy minutes long. The movie is only seventy minutes long. That's another thing we actually have to remember the movie a little yeah. bit more. Though uh, this movie uh, is the kind of film that uh, sticks in your throat a little bit, sticks in your brain. Uh, it, it, it perhaps I've grown a tumor. It's not a tumor because of me watching this film. Uh, and I also have written a, a full-length review over at Daily Grindhouse that you can read. And if you read that, or if you've already read it, you will know that this movie. Um, it, uh, boy, I don't want to give away too much, but it's shit, and we don't like it. We, <laughs> it's, I, it's, it's less than good. <laughs> it's less than good, and it's less than the thing that would be a couple of notches below good. It's, it's, we're at talk, we're in the depths here. We're in the shit depths. Yeah. So, but I guess that does give away a little bit, but let's talk about the movie it's, a little bit. Gives away a lot, but that's all right. Now, um, those who have listened to uh, previous episodes, in particular the most uh, recent episode, know that we chose this. I chose this movie. It's my fault. Isn't that right, Mo? Yeah. I chose it because it was Todd Sheets' birthday recently. Not so recently anymore, but yeah. semi-recently all the same. And it was certainly it was recently at the time of the original recording. That's right. And it was yeah, it was pretty recent at that point. And uh, another one of the reasons I wanted to see this film is because it's a to at least I thought uh, it was a sequel. Actually in fact a sequel to a film that is is fairly well known at least in cult movie circles and that's uh, David Dakota's Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bowl Orama. And uh, and that's kind of well known. It's a movie from the late '80s, uh, horror movie, horror comedy, and it's it's mostly well known for having a number of the scream queens of the time: your Lene Quigley, Brink Stevens, Michelle Bauer are all in that film. Uh, and it's not good, but I did watch it for the purpose of uh, of recording this podcast. Well, not good, but better than this. Uh, it is much better than this. I'm talking about in the scheme of, of those kind of late 80s or mid to late yeah. 80s uh, horror comedies. And in fact, it feels very much like if, you, uh, if you've seen things like Chopping Mall or Terror Vision and things like that, it has that kind of it also feels a lot like one of those Jim Wynorski films and Fred Olin Ray movies from those mm. that time period. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, it has a lot of that that same kind of, of like a lot of the same cast in some ways as well. Well, we're talking about Slimeball Bolarama, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. We are talking about Slimeball Bolarama. This movie, as uh, as you might recall, it's Sorority Babes in the Danceathon of Death, is produced by Mr. Dakota. So. Oh, and casted by... <laughs> and casted. And cast by... Uh, the pretty ladies here in the movie. That's what I imagine him, just sitting there, like, like you know, like, doing, like, arching his fingers, kind of like Mr. Burns, and just kind of like, hee hee hee, you know, creepily, I, creepily laughing to himself. I want you in the movie. <laughs> I love that the review on the IMDb page of the Sorority Babes and the Dance of the Death, it only, it just has, uh, in terms of the user review, it has, like, a, a summary of the title. It just says, Abominable. Abominable. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that it's perfect. Uh, so this movie I thought was a sequel because of the involvement of the director of that other film and because of the title. And there are some thematic similarities. It does involve sorority girls. I wouldn't go so far as to call them babes. No. Um, I'm not trying to be judgmental. Just, I am. Yeah, just stick with me here. Um, there is a <laughs> – in order to get into a sorority, they're asked to do a certain thing. And that is the only similarities that those yeah. two movies have. It, actu- so, it actually, uh, it actually has more in common with a episode of Scooby Doo than it does with, uh, with you know anything. Well, what was the what was the tagline you said? You said the movie had like a the movie's couple, tagline is the of biggest com- boobiest bimbo fest of them all, which is in, which is like categorically wrong. There, uh, there is, I mean, nothing correct about that whatsoever. Strangely, the movie that I was referring, that I thought this was a sequel to, 
all three of those things, it's the sorority babes in the uh, slime ball bolorama is both is bigger, uh, it's boobier because there's oh, actual nudity in it, without a doubt, and and there are women that you might categorize if you. Uh, were that kind of person, as bimbos in that film. This movie has a lot of clean-cut young ladies who don't show any skin at all. In fact, they seem to be wearing gigantic 1992-style sweaters. Yeah. Uh, and and it's and a George big... that go up to your uh, belly buttons. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mom sh- mom jean shorts. Mom shorts, yeah. Uh, and, and it's a not big. Not big. Shot on VHS. Very small. Few locations, pretty big cast. I guess that we'll give them that much. Surprisingly large cast. But it really has a lot more in common with Todd Sheets, other films of the period, specifically prehistoric bimbos in Armageddon City, because it has almost all of the same cast music. and, <laughs> and most of the same music. <laughs> to the point that they even use the prehistoric bimbo theme song, which is awesome. It's great. It, which is an amazing, great piece of music. They even use that in this. Well, uh, let, let's give full credit to Inoki and Key on this one. <laughs> and that would be, of course, Todd Sheets' band that, that does a lot of his soundtracks. And let's face it, compared to, and we haven't brought it up yet, Nightmare Asylum, the other Todd Sheets film that we've covered on the No Budget Nightmares podcast. This, 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 you know, some of you might recall that I sometimes rag on Mo a little for liking that movie. I love. Well, that. this is a this is a few notches. We're we're talking about downward. This is worse. <laughs> yeah. This is a worse movie. And for those who might have listened to that episode, they know I did not care for that movie very much. Yeah, and and here's and here's the big shocker. I did not care for this one. <laughs> you know, I, I know I go on and on about being a Todd Sheets fan, and I still consider myself a, a, a huge Todd Sheets fan. But man, I did not like this movie. It, it, you, we're we're we're, uh, we're in some pretty. Yep. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a movie that would rank in terms of, of of the films that we've covered in this podcast right up there with with Hip Hop Locos and The Summer of the Massacre. Yeah, and, and about barely legal lesbian vampires. I mean, we're talking about. Some of the worst filmmaking you'll yeah. ever see. Well, I mean, like, like, like I, like I, like I had uh, had had said in the last time we recorded, um, <laughs> I would, I would say, I would say this is the the third worst movie we've seen. You know, Mo, it's kind of funny. It's actually a little bit ironic uh, in in the more stretched uh, definition of that word that that we. We tried to do something. We recorded an episode on this film, and it, it, there were technical difficulties. There were problems, right? So yeah. we went, and we were recording another time. It's almost like takes. This is take two. <laughs> this, movie, do any of. this movie could have used a few more take twos and maybe even take threes. And, uh, maybe, and maybe just a little bit of editing. Maybe, maybe editing that didn't just involve in-camera cut and, and start again. <laughs> um Yes, there are some problems with this movie, which we will cover in detail. Well, he didn't hit the button fast enough. You know, you're supposed to hit the button, you know, to shut the to shut the camera off and then say cut. You know, so that way you don't catch catch it on camera. <laughs> there are numerous moments in this film where you can hear Todd Sheets, who is not in the movie as a cast member, say things like "cut" and yeah. "action." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like a porno movie. Uh, at it the it kind of does. It kind of does. It, it, which is which is sad because because essentially, if this movie Think about it. If this movie was rated by the MPAA, it would get like a G. Yeah, maybe know? a PG. Maybe a PG. For, because for there's some thematic, you know, stuff involved. Like some, like, you know, the darker ritual stuff that they do. But, uh, but really there's, there's, I mean, there's no nudity. There's no blood. There's no excessive sexuality even. I yeah. mean, the, 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 the most that happens is that one character straddles another, but the, the, except for two horny male, te- like teenagers in the movie, there's really, 
no reference to sexuality, yeah. and and even they are very, so cartoonish that they're they're referring to Wayne's World <laughs> in their dialogue. Yeah. This is very early 90s, by the way. This movie is from 1992, maybe even 93, but it is so 90s, you you just, it, it could fit right next to Redneck County Fever in terms of its early 90s-ness. Yeah. Yeah, you, like you expect like Rex and Effects and like a tag team to start playing in the background, you know? Like, sure you, expect, you expect somebody to say boom shakalaka at one point. No, <laughs> nobody does, though. It's unfortunate. Boom shakalaka! No, no one mentions... uh. uh uh, Dookie in this either, which was a big surprise to me. I know, no, no, no piece of Dookie references. <sighs> My aching kumquat. <laughs> My aching banana. Let's jump get, into the plot of Sorority yeah, Babes and Dance. We really are putting it off. I mean, we have done this before for one thing, but uh, this is a movie that is. It doesn't have a lot of plot, but what is there makes so little sense, uh, and it does cut back and forth to a lot of very similar things happening. So, yeah. uh, so just bear with us, especially because it's tough to uh, identify a lot of the characters. There's a lot of sorority babes, and, and they all look alike. They're all like blonde, and they're all wearing like you know big oversized shirts and jorts. So it's yeah. like. You know, it's like, okay, so we have generic blonde number one and generic blonde number two, and it's like, I can't really tell the difference between, you know, Kelly or Muffy or Tiffany or Beverly, whatever. They're all... Is there really one named Muffy? Yeah, there's a character named Muffy. (laughs) Tremendous. Yeah, I mean, it's just High quality entertainment right here. Yeah. Just don't know. Don't know who... I... You know, the only one, the only one who, who who stands out is Sherry, and that's because she's black. <laughs> you know, it's like who's the rest of these people? Well, there's also uh, the Beverly uh, who who uh, ends up well. She becomes a major part of the plot a little yeah. bit later. Speaking of confusing, the, there is a pre-credit <laughs> sequence in the movie, and uh, in our previous record of this, we were confused by this. I just rewatched it just to get kind of a more of a sense because I yeah, found myself I really too. confused. And it's more confusing now that I've rewatched. Yeah, it. it really is. Yeah, I mean, since, since we've broken down, since we've broken down the plot already, you know, and we had to go back and rewatch it again, it makes even less sense now because you know, like. Uh, it's like, cause this character, these characters at the beginning of the film, we've got basically a girl and a guy, they're kind of in a truck, and it seems like they're like making out or getting ready right. to do the nasty or whatever. And like a cop walks up and he's like, oh, you two again, you know? <laughs> Gonna have to put you guys in jail. He's like wagging his finger, you know? You two at it again. Look, I don't want to run you in for a decent exposure, but I will. Hey, what are you doing? Ah! And, um,. And and they, he goes to open up the door and he's like he's like about to get attacked and this blonde in like like a like a like a lycra micro mini you yeah know, yeah exactly is um like she's gigantic hair yeah and gigantic like eighties hair like pushes him out of the way he's like this is not your fight you know and and, uh, and then like curses the demon back to hell or whatever. Uh, what what's the line she says? She I, says, "Oh, I I've written ever, it down. You know, yeah. Mimo." She goes, "This is my battle, not yours. Back to <laughs> hell, servant of Satan." My battle, not yours. Back to hell. Servant of Satan. Back to hell. Servant of Satan. Back to your channel. Back to your wretched place. Back to this crystal. <laughs> so yeah, the, the couple's making out, and the girl, half of the couple, starts to attack the guy, and then she, she starts like foaming the at the mouth. <laughs> yeah, so she's. Theoretically possessed or something like yeah. that. So what this woman does is that she's throwing magic words around or something like that, and she traps 
I mean, we don't know what's going on at this point, but this is this is what we interpret interpret from what happens later in the movie. Well, she says, "Get back in the crystal" or something like that. Yeah. You know? So she says, "Get back in the crystal." Mo, you've rewatched this. Yeah. D- did it not look to you like the crystal was not a crystal ball at the beginning of this? No, it looked like an apple. Yeah, it's weird. It doesn't look like a crystal ball anymore. And the rest of the movie, and this doesn't make any sense because the vehicle that they're in looks perfectly modern. Modern, yeah. It does, you know. Uh, so, so we're gonna have to explain something that happens later in the movie. Sure. Just, just to get, just to, just Which, to let just people take our word for it. That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, ju- just, I mean, well, well, let's let's explain it, you know, because because I, I want people to understand how much how little this makes sense. Okay. Right, so, so there's so there's an old man whose name is Hank. Mm-hmm. Hank is the the surliest, angriest curmudgeon I've ever seen. He's now shut up. I need quiet so I can concentrate. He's such a great character. Yeah, he's exactly. my favorite character. He's my favorite character in the movie, absolutely. And uh, and and you know, it, it was his it was his crystal ball that got them all in this into this mess in the first place. And uh, and he said that the crystal ball was his grandmother's. Exactly. You know, now he's got to be in his. I'd say I I'll be nice and say seventies. I, I would say yeah, if it's early seventies, maybe late seventies. Maybe late seventies at the tops. Now, if this was his grandmother's we're talking about, so that leaves us to assume that this blonde woman was his grandmother. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what I would – that's the only way you can interpret this. Her, he said his grandmother was a witch or she practiced witchcraft, and she was the one who trapped the creature in the crystal. So yeah. this had to be his grandmother. But, so, if it's, so, if, so if he was 70 in 1990, that means that he was 20 in when? 1920? That makes sense to me. Yeah. Hopefully so, that math is right, everybody. I hope that math is right. <laughs> I, I'm not good at math in my head. But anyway, that still puts him at the at, at the earlier half of the century. So his grandmother, who must have been way ahead of herself in fashion, you know, was wearing... I'm a, And I'm just making the assumption here that this was his grandmother he was sure. talking about. So she had 80s hair in a micro mini skirt in 19... 19- well, I mean, she looked young, so let's say this would have been turn of the century. Yes, turn of the century, <laughs> and there's a vehicle that looks completely modern. A police officer is dressed in modern clothes. She's dressed in uh, modern for 1991 or t- 1992, yeah, yeah. And, and even ridiculous for then. So we're supposed to think that that is what yeah, possibly say, actually, It actually wasn't modern. It was actually about five, six years late. <laughs> and and for anyone who might think that, that this uh, pre-credit Maybe modern for Kansas City is a reference to sorority babes in the Slimeball Bolorama, it's not. There's no character no. like that. It has nothing no. to do with that plot either. So, I mean, you can't see me, but I'm throwing up my hands like, I don't know, what the fuck is it supposed to be? Um, so I'm trying very hard not to make a John Cena reference, but... Yes, continue to try hard to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it, sh- it shouldn't be hard. It, so from there, we get an opening credit sequence, Mo. I love the opening credit sequence. Uh, it, like, actually, because keep in mind, I mean, like, you know, like the first, the first time, because, because uh, I'd say, you know, with this last rewatch, this is probably my fourth time watching this movie ever. Shit, Mo, that's, yeah. that's too Cause much. Because I, wa- I watched it once a long time ago, and then I watched it twice for the last recording and then I watched it again before today before we recorded it's this is my fourth rewatch um and I hate myself for that but um but yeah but but uh but even 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 on this rewatch I'm still into the movie at this point I mean it's, I mean we're only 5 minutes in you know, with opening <laughs> credits you know and, they're about uh, to and, lose me <laughs> yeah yeah it, they lose me pretty quick after this but 
But I love the opening credits because it's all just like glass shatter effects. Like a name will come up and and they'll and they'll like shatter and fall away. And you know, and the I mean, keeping in mind the credits are like nine minutes long. And uh, yeah, you like then, that opening credits to the girl with the dragon tattoo? You fuck that. That's shit. This is where it's at. Broken glass and and names that just fall. <laughs> names like we're supposed to know who they are. Though there is some recognizable. Uh, some recognizable cast members in. This. Well, yeah, because we have we have people we've seen in other Todd Sheets films, you know, like uh, Matthew Lewis, who played, uh, who a played spider. spider in Nightmare uh, Asylum. Uh, prob- probably one of the more enjoyable characters in this too, even though he's absolutely awful. He's so bad. I mean, it doesn't make any sense because he was one of the better performers in Nightmare oh, yeah. Asylum, but here he is just like total shit. He can't even. It's like he can't even get a single line out without stumbling over it. And and when it, his his enunciation is all over the place. It's Friday night. No babes, no party, nada. It's really weird. Like, yeah, it seems like maybe he had just just started taking some, like, dialogue coaching or... or, or I think it looks like he, he just yeah. started taking drugs. I mean, he seems really <laughs> out of taking drugs. I really seem like... Just say no, Matthew. But yes, Matthew Lewis, who's in this, we do recognize him. He is terrible, and there are a few cast members that we recognize from either this or some of other uh, some of Tachi's other productions. Yeah, there were at least two other people in this. Most of the cast here are, are in prehistoric bimbos as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> so, um, uh, you know, we didn't mention also this is written by Roger Williams. Now, uh, Roger <laughs> Williams is Tachi. So Tachi both wrote and directed this piece of work. <laughs> I'm surprised you actually said work there. It, it, it was, um, it's work to watch, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. So, uh, so then, so then, when the title title screen comes up, they decide to shift over from the broken glass effect to a slime effect. Ooh. You know, um, and it, and the slime comes down. And it says sorority babes and dance on a death. The movie is coming yeah. all over us, which is so and nice. then, yeah, which is a fairly apt. You know, description. But, I'm uh, covered in Todd Sheet's seed. <laughs> I'm covered in sheet myself. Uh, okay, before we sheet ourselves, we'll continue. <laughs> That's not worth a laugh. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> I'm laughing at that. I thought it was funny. So, there is a antique store called Mad Hatter Limited. Yes, there is. And a sorority girl, 
Babe. Babe comes into the <laughs> store because she wants to purchase an old crystal ball. Yes. Yes, that's what happens, Mo. I recall. That's that's exactly what happened. Your 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 power of of recollection is astounding. I'm pulling these thoughts out of my brain and just throwing them out there. Uh, she wants to buy a crystal ball, and she's in luck because this um this antique store has one for sale. This older saleswoman, she's actually a little surprised that she has one, and uh, and she's going to sell it for the uh I think affordable price, maybe not so much in 1992, of ten dollars. Yeah, I mean, hey, that's a, that's a pretty good deal for a for a crystal ball. I mean, you know, they they usually go for for a couple hundred. So. Is that true? I don't know. I haven't purchased any crystal balls. Well, crystals crystals expensive. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> so this crystal ball, <laughs> she wants to do a séance with it. That's her whole plan. So she's come yeah. specifically into the store to buy a crystal ball so she can do a spooky old séance. I'm sure that will not come to bite them in the ass at all. Stuff like that never bites people in the ass. Certainly not in Todd Sheets movies where no asses are apparent. Oh, you know what we totally <laughs> yeah exactly. There were no asses in this movie. Uh, there's there's one funny mention of asses, but there's no actual asses in the movie. But uh, but we totally forgot to mention the freaking uh, dog howl, the wolf howl <laughs> when when the title screen comes up. That uh, that sounds. I mean, speaking of Scooby Doo, I mean it sounds like Scooby Doo. It basically it's like. <laughs> We'll get a little more of that later. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put some, I'll put some audio in there. But but this but this this same howl like is used consistently through the entire movie. Now we're gonna get from this scene to a part of the film that is very confusing to me. I still don't really understand it. You have to understand that this. The main well, it makes sense. It's just really stupid. I, it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe because my uh, post secondary experience was so limited because I was such a dork. Not anymore. Now that I'm such a man, these things I'm trying to catch up on them. Um, but what ha- I get that. <laughs> you get it. I know you do. So we go to this location. It looks really nice. Uh, a bunch of sorority girls really nice. are, are painting it, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They basically they have this house. A lot of wide open spaces. And you know, it's it's really nice. It's got like an you know like a row of arcade machines and pinball, and it seems like a really great place. And and uh, and I mean, like, and we find out that. And here's where it gets confusing yes. because we find we find out that these girls are in a sorority. They're members of the Kappa Beta sorority. Yeah, they're members of the Kappa Beta, but they want to become members of Felta Delta, which I'm assuming is a joke. Yeah, that's a that, that's a stretch, man. You could have named it almost anything that would be funnier than that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, so they're already in a sorority, and it's, it has a lot of members, and they're in a really nice location, but they want to join this other sorority. In fact, two of the members are, are uh, come to visit. Uh, they're specifically looking for, for one of the characters, the one who went out to buy the crystal ball. Tiffany. Tiffany, that's right. Uh, and they have given the impression that they're going to give these girls an opportunity to join their sorority, even though it seems there's a lot of animosity between the members. Yeah, it, like they seem to fucking hate each other. Yeah, well. everybody hates each other, and yet for some reason they they all want to like they they want them in the in the gang, so to speak. I like to think that this is Todd Sheets' kind of commentary on on that sort of of uh, inter uh, you know that sort of fighting between people for no good reasons. Maybe the class system is what he's really commenting on. Shut up! Will you shut up? Ah, now we see the violence inherent in the system. Shut up! Oh, come and see the violence inherent in the system. Help! Help! I'm being repressed! Yeah, that's what he's talking about. Mm. Anyway, there's these two assholes, these two dipshits, these two pricks, who are outside in the parking lot. Oh, we're talking about the guys now. We're okay. talking about the two <laughs> cocksuckers. 
who are uh, that's rough, man. That's a that's a real. I went a little far just then. I felt bad about it. You went dark. (laughs) These two, these two motherfuckers, pieces of shit. Who I would love to see nothing more than to them to watch them die. So one of them is Tommy, uh, and and that's played by uh, Matthews Lewis, the spider from uh, Nightmare Asylum. And Mm -hmm. uh, what's the other guy's name? Chuck. Chuck. So Chucky and Tommy are out in the parking lot, and they are, oh, they're so frustrated because they want to get into the big sorority party that's taking place at the Kappa Beta sorority house that night. <laughs> yeah. So they come up with this incredibly brilliant idea uh, that they're going to get some pizzas and pretend to be delivery men. Yeah, that's the, that's yeah. the plan. That's the, the extent yeah. of their plan. So, so they're talking. They're talking outside in this parking lot, and and the best part is when they're done like hatching their plan. <laughs> they're like, "All right, let's go!" You know. So they they hop into the truck and just peel out. Sounds like a party. We definitely need to crash. Are you there, bud? Let's go get ready. Like burn rubber out of there. <laughs> and, I mean, they take off. They take off at like at like they go from zero to sixty in like a second, and uh, and then and then it cuts to it kind of cuts to them showing up at the uh, at the the house like a millisecond later, and they come screeching to a halt and just leave the truck there. <laughs> I don't think I made enough of just how stupid their plan is. <laughs> it's really stupid. Okay, so they, they're going to get the pizzas, they're going to pretend to be pizza delivery men, and the next part of their plan is that they think that because they're pizza guys, they're going to get invited into the party and be which, allowed... Which actually is the plot to any porno from this time period. Right, so. right. And they're... They, they think that they're going to be able to party all weekend with these these uh, sorority girls, and their plan works fucking works perfectly. They get in, they're immediately invited in, and told to just do whatever they want. In fact, one of their responses is to bear me, babe. Bear me, babe. Bear me, babe. <laughs> I mean, what a dickhead. Uh, I believe that's Chucky who said that. Oh, Chucky! Uh, who just you just want to smack but, but, him as soon as he comes up on the screen. Yeah, Ch- Ch- Chucky is a total shit. Like he doesn't even have any like charm to back up his stupidity. So he did seem like know? the the more aggressive one. So I thought he was going to be like the male hero of the film. Uh, <laughs> that was not to be, as we will soon no. discover. <laughs> so uh, w- while these guys are outside, kind of spying on the girls, uh, one of them gives one of the best lines in the entire movie. Uh, one of your favorite lines, I know. Mike. My favorite line of the film. No, no, my second favorite okay. line. Okay. What does he say? He goes, he goes, oh man, look at those garbanzas. Holy shit, Tommy. Did you see those garbanzas? Calm down, I saw them. How are we ever going to get in there, man? Well, I figured we get a couple of pizzas and act like delivery boys. Great idea. Yes. He refers to the breasts of a woman as garbanzas. Holy shit, Tommy. Did you see those garbanzas? No, I didn't, because they're covered up in, like, three layers of clothing. <laughs> yeah, they're so, like, obscured by, like, this, by, by like, you know, insecure women clothing, as I like to call it, you know. It's at this point in the film that we discover uh, what the main kind of thrust of the plot is, in that we, that old man that we referred to earlier, both of our favorite character in the film, uh, he Thanks. he's the real owner of that antique store, or he and his wife co-own it, and he yells at his wife for selling that crystal ball. <laughs> He goes, you idiot! 
Uh, he he he's yelling at her through the entire fucking movie. It's so great. Like every time he's talking to her, he's like he's just like berating her and insulting her and calling her an idiot or like a wrinkled, you know, like, you know, get your wrinkled ass over there. You know? Now let us let us let us iterate that it's that's funny in the context of the film. We would hope that nobody out there listening would ever treat their significant other in that way at all. Unless you're an old couple and it's funny. Yeah, unless you're doing it in front of me and it's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, there's that's a great, hilarious. He starts to try to explain to me. He explains what the, the crystal ball is all about and his grandmother. He gives a little bit of explanation, but there's a great yeah. part here where he says something like, it's a doorway to... And he just kind of fucks up his line entirely, but it's right there in the movie. <laughs> yeah, they never, they never fix it. Um, so we also get introduced, as we go back to the sorority party, to these girls playing a very bizarre variation on Twister. Called Bimbo. Bimbo, yes. And uh, <laughs> it's just a mat. And for anyone who's ever played Twister, it should look very familiar. And they have kind of shapes that have been uh, cut out of looks like construction paper and just glued onto it. In fact, some of them are coming off of the sheet. Yeah, it, it looks like something like a. It looks like a skinder, a skinder, listen to me, a uh, kindergarten, like, arts and crafts project gone haywire. Yeah, a very poor arts and crafts, uh, in fact, this whole movie could be described that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's true. Yeah, so it's shit, Uh, this looks terrible, and it's just a waste of time. And they have great names like Bimbo Brown and Mutant Green, Nuclear Black. Yes, Uh, so I'm sure anyone listening to this wants wants to see the movie just for this wonderful twister scene. But yeah. uh, but no, in fact, the editing gets all kind of funky here uh, because they decide to go ahead with the, their seance because, uh, what's her name, Tiffany, arrives with the crystal yeah. ball. They go, come on, it's, it'll be fun. And spooky. Some of them take it seriously, like like they think that it's going to be really dangerous. I heard it was dangerous to do that stuff. Like Like, it's, like, it's a fucking crystal ball. And also, they say that they're going to get on their PJs and do it and do it during the nighttime. No, they just decide no, to do it in the middle right of the fucking day. day. Just sit in a circle. And the best, and the best thing too is like, um, is, is the editing in this scene is is awful. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very reminiscent of uh, like the Las Vegas bloodbath, uh, like card playing scene, um, except <laughs> except in that one, you know, the the dialogue is all improvised, so there's actually some kind of funny shit going on. I wish they had paused for a moment and decided to spend like twenty minutes watching a national broadcast of uh, hot oil wrestling. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great filler. It would have brought the movie up to uh, to feature length as well. But um, that's right, folks. <laughs> this movie's only sixty nine minutes long. Not yeah, not feature length. No, definitely not. So, uh, so so they so they're sitting around the the thing, and and they keep cutting back, and and every time they cut to to the next little piece of of. Uh, film, you know, it's it's them saying essentially the same thing again. It's always like, you know, they'll cut into the they'll cut into the spot there, <laughs> and uh, and the girls will start laughing and be like, "Come on, guys, let's take this seriously," and then cut, ha 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 ha. Come on, guys, take it seriously. And it it almost seems like they're like he just took a bunch of different takes and just kind of like repeated them after each other, you know? Oh no, um, my movie's only a half hour long. How are we gonna stretch <laughs> it out? I need padding. I need padding. <laughs> Uh, and so, so, so they finally get serious for a second, and they start like, you know, uh, they they start the seance, and this smoke starts billowing <laughs> out of the ball because that makes sense. That's the that's most normal. special effect that we get in this movie. That's, I think it's the only special effect we get in the movie. <laughs> and uh, well, no, that's not true. There's one more that happens. <laughs> there's, two seconds. there's an eyeball moment that's coming yeah. up that we have to remember. <laughs> that's that's the most special effect ever. I showed it to my wife, and she said, "Douglas, what the fuck are you watching?" <laughs> <laughs> And she was right to say it. 
this may actually be one of the one of the few times that uh, that I'm gonna agree with your wife on this <laughs> one and say, yeah, yeah, we we made a mistake. <laughs> but um, so, but yeah, so, 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 so everybody passed. Yeah, the, the smoke starts spilling out and everybody gets knocked out. Yeah, in fact, and one then, of the girls wakes up. And she goes, oh, man, I think I got a dodge. <laughs> You're right. When smoke pours out of your crystal ball, that's a real problem. I think she should get a replacement. Man. Yeah. But uh, one of the women, uh, Beverly, uh, doesn't wake up right away. She still is unconscious, so they take her into another room to recover. No, oh, no. Yeah. And at the same time, when all this is happening, these guys have been invited into the party, and they're, they're having fun, man. They're in there, and, and they're really having a good time. Yeah, and the girls are playing pinball and – and uh, and the pinball machine saying, "Hey, turkey!" Yeah, and and we also get the music. We get prehistoric uh, bimbos in Armageddon City, and, theme and we song. get the theme. Yeah, we get the, the prehistoric bimbos theme music, which runs pretty pretty constant through this entire scene. Like it's like it's just played on a loop. I'm not the kind of person who would get invited into a sorority house. I don't think, but I have to think yeah, that it has to be a more interesting day to day life than playing Twister and pinball and listening to prehistoric bimbos in Armageddon City. I mean, if it was like that, that's kind of awesome, actually. <laughs> but I just don't think, even in 1992, that that was the reality. And also, man, they have a nice sorority house. I wish my apartment was that nice. I, yeah, I agree. It's. I wish your apartment was that nice. I wish that you were in my apartment right now. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Snuggles. Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> um. Uh. So these guys are in there. They try to explain their sorority to them. They talk about that they don't dislike people just because they're not in a sorority. They're very accepting. They have a very kind of live-and-let-live attitude, unlike, I guess, most sororities who just try to stomp out anyone who's not in a sorority. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so they, they seem like a pretty appealing, nice group who cannot act for shit. Every girl in this is terrible. Every guy in this is terrible. And yeah. Except for the old man who who is terrible, but in a much more amusing way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, and and and, uh, and the only I think the only female character who has any really redeeming. I can't hear factor, you right now, Mo, but I'm gonna guess that you said fuck. I was saying I was saying there was only really one female character who had any really redeeming qualities, and I and and not because she's good, but because she's so over the top ridiculous that it's kind of funny, and that's Beverly. Yes, though. <laughs> Beverly has one of the greatest moments uh, in any of these low-budget movies that we saw, but it's not a good moment. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, well, we'll get back to that one. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So there are, th- the guys, by the way, when they're invited in to stay, because um, one of the girls comes out and says because Beverly is ill that they should probably leave, but the other girls disagree and they say they should stay and keep partying with them, they drop to their knees and they go, we're not worthy! I'm glad you see it that way. I'm just happy to be here with you guys. That's a great feeling all on its own. It's an honor. Chuck, are we worthy of such an honor? Why, no. No. We're not. We're scum dogs of the universe in the presence of such beauteous babes. Hoping for a wink, but even then we can't accept such a friendly gesture from such ravishing female life forms. In other words... We are not worthy! We are not worthy! It's so bad. It's so look. I yeah. realize that 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 you know, if it was made now, we would probably have some sort of reference to I don't know what's popular now. I haven't, I'm kind of out of it. In, Just, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, something like that. But there know. are a few moments in this film and a few references that make it so 
90s. In fact, one yeah. of them is coming yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. In this scene in particular, there's 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 a couple of really ridiculously '90s references, and uh, like it's and uh, like Tommy Tommy starts talking about how it's like, oh, you know, I'm glad to see that, uh, you know, that that we're happy to be with you guys. It's an honor, blah blah blah. And he starts talking all like, you know, ridiculous, and and uh, and Chucky says something to the effect of, you know, um, you know, well, we're scum dogs of the universe, and <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then and then and then and then Tommy says something like, "In other words," and they fall to the ground. And we're not worthy. It's uh, like, give me a fucking break. Yes, movie, give us a fucking break. We are twenty minutes into it, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> so a phone rings, and one of the um, bimbos decide to uh, wait. Oh, sorry, they're not really bimbos. They're referred to them as bimbos sometimes. They play that bimbo game. We see bimbos. I have bimbos on the brain. I apologize. But one of these babes answered the telephone, and it's the other sorority, and they're going to give them an opportunity to join this. Uh, what's it called? Felta Delta. Felta Delta. In fact, when the when the, when the phone rings, she yells out to the other girls. Do you guys need miracle air or what? Hello. <laughs> Miracle Air, as some of you might know, it was an infomercial at that time period about this sort of, so you could listen to people in other rooms and it was a hearing aid and that sort of thing. Those of you who have been reluctant to wear a hearing aid, Miracle Ear has more great news. If you have trouble hearing in noisy situations, the exciting Miracle Ear clarifier may be your answer. The clarifier features a special filter that automatically reduces background noise. In a restaurant situation, it picks up the noises I want to hear, but the uh, other noises are just moved off into the background. If you or someone you know thinks they may be suffering from hearing loss, call Miracle Ear at this number and receive helpful information. It really makes a lot of difference in, in your way of hearing and your, in your way of life. Call this number. Miracle Ear will send you a booklet on better hearing, plus a coupon for a free hearing test. Call today. Learn about all the good news from Miracle Ear. A lot of people don't even, don't even know you got it, especially the one I got, the design that I got. Call this number. Find out if Miracle Ear... For all the 12-year-olds who are listening to I, our show right look, now. Look, I'm in, sure... In Algeria. We're, we are fucking huge in Algeria. Huge in In fact, shout out to the Algerian fans right here. What? You know, if you want us to come over and perform live in Algeria... We'll do it. As long as I will fly out to Algeria on your dime, yeah. and, uh, and and I will gladly perform yeah. for all of you. I'll do anything, man. Just put me in cage, put me out of shit. Just go. Let's not give them too many options here. Let's, we'll, Mo, we'll Mo would gladly accept any of those options. I just uh, oh, that's uh, so, totally true. <laughs> so the, the, the sorority wants to, uh, this, this other sorority, the... Uh, bitchy sorority I'll go with. Uh, they wanna, Delta Delta. Yeah, Delta Delta. They want to meet our gals and uh, and give them some sort of test in order to join their sorority. Wow. Yeah, so so their idea of, of a worthy test is that they have to spend the night in the creepy old school. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now before, just, just to interrupt you for a second, Mo. Please. The, the segment immediately before, while this phone call is going on, it's kind of weird. They're all watching a movie on television. In fact, they're watching uh, David Dakota's. David Dakota's Creepazoids. Creepazoid, uh, yeah. uh, Creepazoids on television. And one of them makes a reference to that they really hate these low budget TNA flicks. But guess what? This movie you're watching, even though it's low budget, it's not a TNA flick. Not a TNA. Yeah, it's supposed to be self referential humor. The problem is, is that it's not because this isn't a TNA flick. It, it seems to really. 
think it is, but it's really not. Yeah. Uh, and but there's a very weird moment, and we talk about the strange editing, and, and maybe I maybe I misunderstood what was going on, but it, a girl comes into the room and she says that she see she saw something outside the window, and Matthew and Chucky they not Matthew sorry uh, Tommy. Tommy and Chucky think, think of Rugrats. Yes, Tommy and Tommy Chucky, and Chucky yeah. they sure. hop up, and then it just cuts to them going to the sorority thing, and and yeah. Uh, in fact, Beverly, who who was unconscious, she woke up and she's up now and she wants to go to this sorority thing. And she's raring to go. Though when she says that she's raring to go, you can't understand what the fuck she's saying because audio. Yeah, I'm so. sorry. She says. <laughs> so. All right, Beverly. As you mentioned, they're uh, they're asked to go to the abandoned college at the top of the hill and stay all night in the haunted house. Very traditional. Uh, horror movie type uh, plot, right? They have to stay all night until eight in the morning. And well, I mean, it's very Scooby Doo. It, you know, it was very common in in like the you know like si- silent serial <laughs> from the thirties. I mean, you know, I mean, like if it was, if this was the Bowery Boys, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> I would much rather be watching one of the Bowery Boys films than this. I mean, so this is this is a a plot structure that's been that's been used for as long as Hank's been alive. You know. Yes. <laughs> yes, that like, just about that long. It is Grandmother's Day, <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, also a literary tradition as well. I mean, this is classic. Yeah. So yeah. The, it's funny because the girls say, "Okay, let's go and get this over with." So they leave immediately. However, leaving early does not make eight a.m. come any faster. You think they would wait until the last possible minute to go to the abandoned college? Um, it's, it's, this is a really interesting plot device, by the way. Uh, going back to Sorority Babes in the Slimeball Bolarama, they're asked to retrieve a bowling trophy from a closed mall, and, and it's, it, they have a bowling alley within the mall itself. So they have to go in there, but the whole idea is that the sorority girls, this other sorority that they're trying to uh, join, in fact, the only sorority in this case, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they're going to be fucking with them while they're trying to do this. They have access yeah. to the place, so they're going to fuck with them. But in this case, the girls are not... They're just told to stay at this place, which isn't haunted, which doesn't have anything that could possibly scare them, which is actually really well lit and nice. Uh, yeah. And they're expected to stay all night. Guess what? That's easy. That's not That's not a challenge. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> In fact, the idea that at a college that's this nice looking, though is that is kind of bizarre... Uh, would even exist in such an abandoned state is a little <laughs> difficult to uh, to believe. And and by the way, not locked at all. They go to the front door and they open it and they go they in. They walk right in. In any city that you've ever been aware of, Mo, would a place like that not have been, I don't know, destroyed by people who just go up there and fuck around? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So this this is a little tough to swallow, yet the other parts of the movie we gladly accept. <laughs> yeah. So, so actually, before before they actually even get up there, there's a there's a quick scene back at the Mad Hatter antique shop, and uh, and Hanks looking looking into his crystal ball because he's trying to figure out where the other crystal ball went. Like he doesn't actually they don't know yet, and he's and and uh, and he's looking like concentrating on the crystal ball, and his wife, whose name was Bertha, Bertha. That sounds right. I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah, it was Bertha. Yeah, she she goes. She goes. Oh, all all I see is dust. And he goes. He goes. Shut up! You don't have the gift. <laughs> I'm just gonna use that anytime my wife and I yeah. are disagreeing on anything. <laughs> well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like, like that's such a great line to use in real life. It's like you know, it's like you're you're like you're at the, you're at the produce section of the grocery store, and like you're trying to find a ripe melon, and somebody's complaining they can't find one. He just goes because you don't have the gift. <laughs> But he, he was right. I mean, he can he can see into that crystal ball. He and, found them. And found them. Um, 
in a very kind of, again, convoluted way of discovering what the hell is going on. Because you don't have the gift. So they go to this this abandoned college, and they go inside, and they're, they get locked inside, sort yeah. of. And Which doesn't, yeah, yeah, it, it's negated it very quickly, but yeah, they're, they're quote-unquote locked inside. So if they're in an abandoned college, and, <laughs> and they go in and they, you know, do, do something like try to turn the lights on, you probably would expect, since it's abandoned, that nothing would happen. No, no, I expect, to, I expect it to totally work. Well, it did totally work, Mo. so your expectations <laughs> were rewarded. Perfect and, expectations. In fact, uh, they decide to explain this in the movie. Yeah, the, the explanation is, is brilliant. Uh, what, what do they say? They go, uh, either, yeah, they go, either, um, where's my note? Yeah, either they paid a lot of, a lot of money to the electric company, or the school did some wiring of their own. Yeah, they must have paid a lot of money in advance to the electric company. Yeah. Like, years, Here, probably. I'm gonna, pay, I'm gonna pay you off 50 years in advance. Here, just keep it run. That's right. Just keep it. Don't worry about it. We're closing this shit down. Yeah, fuck it. So, uh, as you would probably not expect. Some kids may need to stay there overnight sometime. We just want to keep it running. <laughs> Who knows? You know, someone might want to come in here and trash the place. You want them to be able to see. That's the main thing. <laughs> so, in other movies, in other movies... Also, let's also let's keep in mind that this, quote-unquote, abandoned, old, haunted school, there's not a speck of dust in the entire building. No, it looks very well taken care of. Yeah, it's, it's like, the maintenance staff, like, is, like, the, I'm assuming, who I'm assuming are ghosts. Uh, just, I mean, keep it in perfect shape. Makes sense to me. Um, yeah. so... In fact, that actually would have been a better movie than this. <laughs> At least there would be some sort of fear yeah. involved. Yeah. So, they decide to split up. Ghost janitor. They decide to split up for no reason. They have all night. I mean, they could just all walk together and look at this entire place. They have all night. But they decide yeah. that they're going to split into three groups. And now, to keep this as clear as possible, I'm going to... Mention them in terms of the male that goes with the group because it makes yeah. it clear because it makes it difficult because all the girls are very interchangeable in this case. They're, yeah, girl A, girl B, very generic. Yeah, so Chuck, who's uh, a dickhead, uh, mm -hmm. he goes with Beverly, who is the one who passed out earlier. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's acting a little funny. And Tommy, he goes with uh, Tiffany, the girl Tiffany. who bought the crystal ball. A yeah. And then um, the other... And then we have... Yeah, we have generic girl A and generic girl B who go together. Who go together. So, oh, oh no, okay, so they all, it actually just cuts back and forth between the three of them. They're all walking around. In fact, those two mm -hmm. girls, they end up in some sort of weird cave. Who knows where the fuck they are? It looks like they're outside. Yeah. They, there's actually construction equipment there for some reason. Uh, it, yeah. it's, it's very bizarre. But Chuck and Beverly, they go upstairs and they end up in what looks like a bathroom, though it's so dark it's really hard to tell. Yep. Now this is my favorite moment of the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you talk about it. I know how much you love this. I do. So they're, they're in this bathroom, and Beverly suddenly pushes Chuck against the wall, and it looks like she's going to get hot and heavy. Finally, we're going to get a little of that promised TNA. But no. Ooh la la. No, she uh, reveals that she has been somehow possessed. And how does she reveal this? I'll tell you, Mo. She... <laughs> <laughs> in a special effect that is on par with you doing that thumb trick where you pretend to remove your own thumb. She, I, I get kids with that all the time. She pops out her eyeballs, and by she does this by putting her fingers in front of her eyes and moving her hands forward and putting them to the side of her head, and she has her eyes closed, and she has eyeballs between her fingers, and then she goes and puts them back in her head, and then she opens her eyes, and it's like... Yeah, this is, this is all done with strategic cuts back to Chucky, you know, so that they can... 
put the eyeballs and then take them off. It's really dumb. It might very well be the worst special effect I've ever seen in any movie yeah. ever. I mean, it's yeah. so fucking stupid. And he's terrified really by it. Really. Yeah. Like, I guess she's supposed to be like, she's Beetlejuice, she's the ghost with the most, and she's going to freak him out by removing her eyeballs. <laughs> but it doesn't yeah. make any sense. But he's so stunned by this act of wizardry that uh, <laughs> she takes what I think is a plunger and murders him with it, but somehow it looks like she just pushes it against his head, and that's all. Yeah, exactly. Say. Because the first time I walked through, I thought that she, you know, like because basically her mo is to shove something down their throats, you know. So I thought with the first <laughs> hey, mo, murder, oh, that's my mo too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, not not for what I hear, Doug. Uh, Shut up, Mo. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> So, so, yeah, so I thought that she had taken the handle part and, sh- and shut it down. But then I, as I was watching it this time, I noticed, no, she takes the plunger in. Yeah. And, yeah. So it's like, what? She plunges him to death. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, uh, that happened. <laughs> yeah, so that happens. Tommy, uh, and the girls, he's actually with two girls. I can't remember the other one is named. Uh, and, and Whatever. they're kind of looking around. And he mentions that the, the place, he goes, the former occupants of this place are weird. Probably a film producer or something. It's, so dumb. it's a, it's a school. <laughs> it's a school, yeah. It's like, a college. They knew it was a, they knew it was a school. It's got classrooms. You know? They're in a classroom when he says this. Yeah. In fact, uh, this classroom that they go into has Bimbo's Rule written on the blackboard. Yes. Man, I guess Ta- uh, Tachis is just really into bimbos. And I can't blame him, but that's... No, I mean, I'm into bimbos, too. But, I mean, I can't... The problem is I just can't call any of these women bimbos. Yeah, they seem very nice. They, they all seem very pleasant. You know what? That's unfair of me. I'm not trying to say that bimbos are not nice. I'm just saying that no, no, the kind... No, bimbos are the... No, no, bimbos are the nicest. Yeah, well, the, the women in this film, they just seem very pleasant and very... They're, like, they're all very girl next door. Yeah, and, and not... Not in a hot way. <laughs> no. But in a way that makes them seem sort of, uh, maybe it's just how they're dressed and how the early 90s were. It just seems like everything is very uh, colorless and uh, whitewashed and it, there's just no, there's no personality to any of them. Yeah. So they go into this classroom and they find a person in there. Some guy. Some dude, some guy, and we did learn that this dude, he had uh, run away from home because his father's a politician. Doesn't matter. Doesn't have isn't any... That, isn't, that what he's, isn't that how he's credited in the movie, too? He's credited as dude? Yeah, he's just dude. That's his name. Yeah, he's just the dude. Because he doesn't have a name. He's just dude. So he, he explains that he's, he's run away from home and uh, asks the uh, the uh, Tommy and the other two not to turn him in. And they say, well, we're just here for this this contest. <laughs> yeah, they essentially say in, in the nicest way possible, we don't give a shit about you, so whatever. Yeah, you can stay in the classroom. It's a big school. It's not a big deal. Um, yeah, do whatever the hell you want. But like, he gives enough backstory that you think it's going to be important, but it's never brought up again. It, it, and it's not important. Um, oh, so we get the antique shop again. The old man, he, he like he said, he's looking in the, the, the crystal ball, and he discovers that they are all in that college on the hill. But this is a very strange moment, because he tells his wife to, he goes, get your wrinkly ass, get your wrinkly on, ass on the phone. And call the cops. What do we do now? Well, get your wrinkly ass on the phone and call the cops. And he then tries to explain what she should say to the cops, something like that she should tell them a story about yeah. what's going on up there not, so it doesn't sound like it's all a bunch of bullshit. But the, the cops never arrive. And, they never show up. And, and in fact, that 
part of the plot is entirely abandoned, that she called them at all. Yeah. I mean, all they would have had to have said to us was that she talked to them and they didn't believe her and didn't go up there. Though, you know, saying that a bunch it's, of teenagers... This is, a, this, is a, this is another situation where one line of dialogue would have saved the entire thing. Well, it wouldn't have saved the movie, but it would at least... No, 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 it would have saved the entire point of them saying it. But it's weird because this entire segment seems to be the complete opposite of that, right? True. The whole purpose of it is for her to call the cops. So, yeah. I mean, at least she, it could have showed her on the phone with the cops, and she says, there are some teenagers up there. Which, by the way, that's all she needed to say. Some teenagers have broken into the school up there. And, yeah. and and we saw them or something. Uh, it uh, this, this I don't know. I will say by the way that that Nightmare Asylum seemed like most of the dialogue in that film. It seemed like it was ninety percent made up on the spot. It was all improvised. In this film, it does appear that most of the dialogue, at least, was written down by somebody, probably Todd Sheets. <laughs> yeah, Roger, Roger Williams. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so old Roger. And and people are are saying them. It, they might be reading them off a sheet of paper in front of themselves or something like that. But, yeah. you know, this is a written piece of art, film, at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call, call the cops. I'm going to call the cops. Let's not, uh, let's not, let's not push that definition too far if we, if we can. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a written piece of, Dialogue. Let's let's not call. I don't it know. This is a visual it. medium, and it makes us feel things. It might not be things that we want to kind of. <laughs> it's not things that we want. We want to feel, and it may be. Look, I know pornography when I see it. You know, this is outsider art. This is this is challenging stuff. Yeah, actually, you know what? That's 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 probably the best definition for Todd Sheets' work from this time period. It's definitely outsider art. So Beverly comes downstairs, and she yes, says she that does. Chuck left her all alone up there. Beverly, by the way, is the girl who killed Chuck with her crazy yeah. eyeball trick. So, um, the, she says this to uh, Tommy and the uh, the two other girls, and Tommy's reaction is very strange. He goes, when I find Chuck, I'll give him a mouthful, which sounds oddly sexual, but... It's it's very homoerotic, yeah. It's it's not, you know, because, you know, the phrase is, I'll give him an earful. Yeah. I'll give you him know, a it's mouthful. not, I'll give him a mouthful. Yeah, well, uh, we're not making a joke here, like, oh, the dialogue is so homoerotic. It just seems no, no. really bizarre how he says that. Yeah, exactly. It's really stupid. Like, he shouldn't be saying, I'll give him a mouthful, because that's wrong. Yeah. That's, and, that's not the phrase. And, and again, his delivery is so hilariously bad. Um, so, Beverly, uh, she stays upstairs while the rest of them go downstairs, and, and Beverly goes into the classroom that they just left. And uh, this is the most sexual moment of the film, where she seduces this homeless kid. And um, she she has some choice dialogue here. She, she says, "Just be quiet and do what comes naturally." <laughs> and in fact, she does, well, she also gives a classic: "Open your mouth and close your eyes, and I'll give you a big surprise." Uh, yeah. So she straddles. She, does, does she do? Does she do the classic "me Chinese, me play joke, me put pee pee in your coat"? No. What is it with oh. you and the Asians? <laughs> I don't know. Today's just an Asian day, I guess. Um, I go th- go through phases. We should mention the dude, by the way, the guy who's hanging out at the in the classroom. He he his his process of hanging out and sleeping is to lay on his back on a desk, <laughs> on like a, yeah, a makes total desk. sense. Yeah, and uh, that seems like the most comfortable place to sleep in a in a in a classroom. If someone was going to come in and seduce you, it does seem like it would be a good. Uh, the perfect spot. Yeah. But she doesn't really, I mean, she only kind of seduces him. She climbs up on top of him and, you know, and she tells him to open his mouth and then she jams something down his throat. Yeah, she jams just like a piece of wood. You think it would be a which ruler, is a, but it's yeah, not. It's just a big chunk not. of wood. Yeah. Maybe it's a yardstick. 
Maybe it is a yardstick. Maybe it's no. one of those. Um, no, it just it just looked like a it just looked like a stake. You know, yeah. just like some random piece of wood. Like I don't I wouldn't even I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah. Well, I will describe it as not looking good when she does it. Yeah, I'll describe it as a piece of wood. You know. <laughs> But um, so yeah, so she shoves it down his throat, which is the closest, which is the closest thing to horror this movie has. <laughs> now, you know, the, the closest thing to horror this movie has is the next scene where Tommy discovers Chuck's body. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah. So Tommy goes upstairs to look for Chuck, and he opens up the door to that bathroom. We guess it's a bathroom. Holy shit, Chucky! You're all messed up. <laughs> he goes, Chuck, you're all messed up. Oh my God. Chuck, you're all messed up! He's yelling at a corpse, by the way. And we yeah. do get a quick uh, clip of Chuck, and he does appear to be pretty messed up. He's like, like all messy and skull-like. and Yeah, they, yeah they, they used some kind of, like, you know, uh, dummy or something. Yeah. Like, it's not Chuck. It's not the actor who played him. It's just, it's like it's like a doll, almost. It, it, that, that is the most violent moment of this movie, is his yeah. face. Uh, though his reaction that Chuck, you're all messed up, makes it so <laughs> ridiculous. I know it's yeah, it's like you know, like like a scene that that should have played on fear just becomes comedy, you know, with with Tommy's delivery. If I had to say that Tom Sheets is bad at one thing, uh, and and that would be a difficult thing to kind of uh, pin down the one thing. Yeah, uh, I would say it's transitions that he has difficulty with because the the way that people get from scene to scene and from plot point to plot point is very it, it's really hard to really grasp what's going on and that's particularly yeah. the case in this next scene because uh, Tommy runs down and he tells the girls that she, he found the course Chuck, he, somebody messed him up real bad what are you saying? he's freaking dead and they think at first that it's the homeless guy which is a pretty yeah, reasonable he's freaking dead yeah he's all messed up <laughs> uh, and they think it's the homeless guy and that's something they could have explored, but no. Beverly comes downstairs. And yeah, yeah, that exact second, like yeah, they could. They, 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 they you're right because they were thinking it was the, it was the the strange guy who's living there. And Beverly comes walking down the stairs laughing. And the second they hear her laughing, they just scream and run out of the room. <laughs> Wouldn't it have made a lot more sense for them to say, "Oh, we think it's the homeless guy. Let's go see what's up with him." And then yeah. they go to the room and find him with the piece of wood in his mouth. And exactly. then they're like, "Well, something else is going on." By the way, Tachits, that would have given you at least another four minutes or five minutes, <laughs> and that would have been simple. To, I mean, you already had everything set up and ready to go. Anyway, yeah. Beverly, she just comes downstairs. She's wearing makeup, uh, some weird-looking goth makeup, and everyone starts to run away. What is, did she say? Something I don't. Uh, she says something like, hey, guys, or like, yes. go there. Suddenly, re- they, they know immediately that she's possessed. Yeah. I I, I don't get it. Uh, she She's suddenly something to be scared of. She's just, I mean, she's just, you know, a little person that they could easily overpower if they thought that she was in any way dangerous. She doesn't, they don't know that she has powers. All they know is that she theoretically maybe has killed one of their friends. All they know is that she's laughing. Yeah. She's, so and this is I not a laughing just, moment right here. And frankly, I would have just assumed that she was high. Yeah, I would have assumed that, but people in this movie are kind of clean cut. They probably don't go for that sort of uh horse shit. <laughs> I think there was I, I think there was a lot of uh a lot of smoking going on during this film. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't go that far. I think everyone behind was the scenes. Are you kidding me? They thank Jesus again in the credits. Or was it just not God? Sure. Was it God and Jesus? No, it's Jesus. It's always Jesus. 
Jesus always gets a shout out from Todd Sheets in the closing credits. And hey, hey, dashboard we're recording this on Easter Sunday, so we're we're giving Jesus a shout out. Fuck Jesus. Fuck Jesus and his stupid head zombie holes. holes. <laughs> I want to fuck him in his stigmata. All right, we just lost Algeria. Anyway, back, back, back <laughs> they're, to the they're movie. Muslims. They're Muslims. They don't care. So they start to run away, and we get, uh, uh, despite the fact that everyone was exploring the school, we now really do get to see some odd locations. And this school has some bizarre things, including a church. They run past a bunch of pews, which appear yeah. to be in some sort of church. Um, and makes sense. They also run into an auditorium. Uh, it's it's a theater is where they're, and it looks way too big for any school I've been involved in. But they go into a theater and they run up on a stage for some reason. And well, it's not it's not big in terms of like like university level. I mean, it seems pretty pretty average. I suppose that's true. I went to I yeah. went, I grew up in a very small place, so everything seems large to me. Uh, uh, I grew up in a little place. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're uh, they go up on stage and they're surrounded by uh, by curtains. They see her at the entrance of the place and they all run out and they run over her basically. And she says, yep. "Did anybody see the number of that truck?" Mm. I mean, it's like any Youngman wrote the jokes for this fucking movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's like Take all this slocky, stupid. I mean, for one thing, even her saying that. It's not like she's supposed to be. She's not Freddy Krueger. She doesn't quip as she's doing things. But yeah, it's very borscht belt. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really dumb, especially in the context of this movie. Um, one of your favorite moments is coming up now, Mo, where a girl hey. ends up lost on stage. Yeah, she's fallen behind, Mo. Yeah, and they were only there a second ago. Yeah, she's only there a second ago. But this girl, she's back up on that stage, and she can't find all of her friends. And she's like, oh, no. And she's trying to <laughs> pat her way through through the curtains and well, find a way up. That, the thing that's great is that if they hadn't if they hadn't turned the camera around, it would have made sense. Sure. Like, it would have been, oh, great, you know, because she's like, she's stuck on this, in this area, this void, you know, and she doesn't know where there's a door and blah, blah, blah. But... Something falls or something makes a noise, and uh, and she's like, ah! and she runs down like into the audience, meaning that this stupid woman, instead of just turning around to see that this was an auditorium with all these chairs, you know, and like clearly, you know, and and what is all what do all auditoriums have? Clearly marked exits, you know. She even says on stage, she goes, there's gotta be a door around here. And yeah. we knew just from seconds ago that, yeah, the way that you're looking right now, which was where the camera's pointing at you, out towards the audience, that is where doors are. We have seen them. <laughs> it's very yeah, easy it's to like, get out. <laughs> it's like, are you, are you that myopic that, like, you have to, like, you can only look in that one direction? I mean, like, the tunnel vision, you know? Like, turn around. It's, it's right there. Oh, by, by the way, she doesn't get killed. She just runs away and gets She just runs away, yeah. She, yeah. And by the way, not only are their doors in this theater, they a- exit out to the outdoors. Yeah, they're outside. They have gotten what? away. They have escaped. This is one of three times that they're that they're outdoors. And so, and one and one of three times that they could have gotten away. Now, while they're outside, by the way, they use uh, Tachi's uses some really obvious day for night shooting, where it's like oh. it's, it's totally not nighttime while they're outside, oh, so even though it's supposed to be the middle of the night at this point. In fact. Somehow, even though okay, they've gone, they went to the the, the the abandoned college. They searched around for a bit. The murders happened. And they started running away. We probably would have estimated since they hadn't tried to go to sleep yet that it was you know maybe a couple of hours. They go into a uh, a, a club, a discotheque, a discotheque, and they mention one of the first things they mention is that there's someone that has been chasing them all night long. 
All night long. But, have they, I mean, the, the events that have taken place, even if they're stretched out, even if we think that lots of stuff have happened that uh, we haven't seen, which, which they probably could have well, used. Let's, first off, let's, 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 let's make the note of the fact that this movie seems like it's shot in real time. So, I mean, so really, even if, even if they, even if they, you know, and because they do do all of the things that they say they do, and there's no real, you know, there's no real moments where you feel like there's been any time elapse, it's still only been like 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, but they say they've been running all night long. All and, night long. And, and by the way, if it was the middle of the night, or if it was early in the morning, why is this club still open? And why is there nobody in it except this there's one? There's nobody there. There's yeah. one black guy, the guy who I guess we're supposed to think owns the place, is the guy from Nightmare Asylum who got all of the uh, nails put in his mouth. Um, and he's there, and he doesn't believe them because they are talking nonsense. Uh, in fact, he says, all that MTV y'all watched probably fried your brain. <laughs> nice. Yes, well, um, it, he, uh, he attempts, by the way, to call the police. Very reasonable reaction, but the phone is dead. Yep. And in fact, the response is, I figure that would happen. That always happens in these <laughs> low-budget horror flicks. Next, thing, next you, thing you know, the lights will go out. And the lights go out. I figured that would happen. That always happens with these low-budget horror flicks. Next, the lights will probably go out. <laughs> Just kidding. But this is actually... That's actually a little bit of a... It's actually, I think, the one moment in the film that I thought was legitimately clever was when someone says, the next thing you know, the lights will go out. And we see that it's uh, it's Sharon, one of the girls. Sharon fucking with them, yeah. She's just fucking with them. Of course, it's not the most timely moment to be fucking with your friends. <laughs> but, it was, but it was funny. It, uh, yeah, like, I think, I think this is one of the maybe, you know, maybe one of the very few non-Hank-related moments that I actually laughed out loud. <laughs> um they, ha- they they ponder, by the way, what's going on. One of them says, I wonder if this has anything to do with that crystal ball. Yeah, no, you wonder? You think that yeah. the one character who passed out, who's now possessed, it might have something to do with the crystal ball? We also- and then Tom, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, and then Tommy has this great line where he goes, uh, Great, now we have this nympho-psycho demon from hell on our butts, and I can't afford to lose what butt I have. Yes, Th- that Tommy, and he, again... I, he needed to nail this line because this is the key humor. That's a killer line. Yeah, that's a killer line. It would have been great had he gotten it right. Man, he he is so bad in this. And but then the black guy says something that's great too. Well, he he is this where he, he says he's going to get the Bible to expel yeah, the demons? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes, "I'm going to go get my Bible and exercise the demons." <laughs> We're, we're getting, by the way, to the climax of the entire movie at this yeah. point, um, because as he's saying that, um, oh, I should mention. Hank- I have to mention this, that we sometimes uh, cut to, um, what's her name, the possessed girl, uh, <laughs> Beverly. So Beverly is outside, and she is uh, throwing herself against the door. And laughing. And laughing, and she has, like, her arms to her side, and she's dancing around going, <laughs> She's kind of like, she's kind of like, you know, like, like the old punk rock, like, pogo. She's like pogo. And she's just slamming herself against the door, and, and laughing. it is... The goofiest fucking thing you will see ever. And I mean, I know I've, it, I've it, always it, been, I'm exaggerating a lot in this. Believe me, you cannot watch this and not think, why is this in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> and this, and this, this is, this is the greatest moment in the scene where you really, like this whole entire section here in the nightclub, like it really, really, the entire part feels like it's, uh, like entirely edited in camera. Um, this is the moment, you know, the part of the scene of the, of the film where like it feels different. Like it seems really rushed and, 
Um, and this is the this is the point in the film where you you hear the most uh, cuts and yeah. actions. You know? Yeah, things, it's weird because we're getting to the climax of the film and the, both the emotional yeah. and and action climax of the movie, and it it gets worse and worse in terms of the quality of the yeah, filmmaking. Yeah. Um, in fact, at this point is where the old man and um, uh, yeah, Hank, Hank and Bertha, Bertha they show up and uh, and they're going to help. Right again, the cops don't ever show up; they show up. Uh, it's it, the black guy uh, who doesn't get a name, by the way, at least not one name that I remember. They he suggests that they actually jump her because you know they outnumber her by what like seven or eight to one, and they. Oh, that's right. Because I remember the I remember the last time we recorded, we we forgot to mention this because we we said he just goes away, but he doesn't just go away. You know, like they they decide to enact his plan, and they and they run out to meet her head on, and she attacks him. Yeah, and Be- Beverly attacks him. And and this is actually one of the funnier death scenes in the movie, where she grabs him and she starts choking him. Everybody's like, Aah! yeah, you know, and they and they run ba- and they run back inside. And she kind of like shifts her focus for a second back on the door. And when she realizes that she can't get back in, she goes back and starts starts like throttling him at his neck, you know. <laughs> and it's really funny because she's just, like shaking his head. The poor guy, like his plan wasn't a bad plan. They just enacted it as stupidly as people could. Like they run out. She immediately attacks him. They all run away immediately back into. Yeah, they, they make they make they make one plan to get away, and the second something goes wrong, they they hoof it back into the building, and he's the only one who dies. I do want to mention that when this guy uh, suggests the plan, um, and and some one of the girls says, "But she's our friend, uh, Tommy." He has my one of my favorite lines in the movie because of how badly it's said. She's our friend. Wait. She's not our friend now. She's not even Beverly. She's something else. Something evil. Cut. And he goes, she's not even Beverly. She's something else. Something <laughs> evil. And then you hear, cut! <laughs> Printed perfect! That's as good as it's going to get. Tommy, you nailed that one. But, I mean, it's, it's it, his delivery. I I can honestly say, I mean, we watched some shitty movies. His delivery was as bad as I've ever heard anyone say anything. Yeah, yeah. I love I love the little conversations that, that, that happen. Because, you know, now now that, you know, that, that the, uh, the, 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 Black guy who 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 knows what the hell he was called. Um, uh, he he's you know he's dead now, and now they they just go back inside and they just sit down casually and just have another conversation. But it's really funny because like like there's a lot of like visual, not a lot of, but there's a couple of like visual gags that revolve around Hank and his wife, and one of them is uh, he holds up this little bottle that I think he's I think it's supposed to be like holy water or something. Right. And she's like, and she's like, you know, Hank, you idiot. That's, you know, that's, that's just, that's the saline water that I use to soak my corns in. I have a question for you, Mo. How did they get, how did Hank and Bertha, how did they get inside the club? Oh, they, they, they apparently walked right past the Kandirian demon. Who, that's what we're told. That it's uh, supposed yeah. to be a Kandirian demon, by the way. <laughs> who was blocking the front door. I, I don't know. It, like, cause the continuity on this is a little off, where they, where, like, sometimes she's at the front door, sometimes she's at the back door. There's also, like, when she's, there's also real like, issues with spatial awareness, that's right. You don't know where characters yeah. are within the context of this building. Yeah. And, uh, the, by the way, the plan that the old man has, and it's not a bad one, is that he has a, uh, a powder, he says he can make, that will, that will expel the demon and allow them to put it back in the crystal. But the problem is, though he has all the ingredients with him, he's missing the last ingredient because he can't remember what it is. Which, by yeah. the way, 
That means all the rest of it is worthless. Because if you don't know yeah, what the fucking ingredient it's, is, what's the odds that it's going to be there waiting? Exactly, for you? exactly. Like you know, like what if what if he needs something completely ridiculous? Like uh, I, I think you had mentioned, like Eye of Newt or Wing of Bat, sure. or something ridiculous like that. You know, and like what like what if he what if he needed something ridiculous like that and he didn't have it with him? What if it was just something even simple, right? What if it was salt and they didn't have it there? I mean, you don't know. Uh, yeah. it, it's just maybe maybe he did bring a bunch more things that we just didn't hear about. But I just want to pause for a second here, Mo, because <laughs> because the thing that's happening next is in, in turn, this is a movie is a series of bad decisions on the part of the filmmakers and the people who are in the movie. But yeah. in terms of bad decision making. The, oh, this is the worst. This is the worst. <laughs> and, of, and of course it's Tommy. Yes. Of course. Tommy. Dumb fuck Tommy. Decides. Tommy really is the dumbest character in any movie ever. Okay. So, uh, Beverly's outside, and she's dancing around like a fucking moron. And she's still laughing, she's still poking. So, inside, everyone is still nervous, but the old couple are there. Someone knocks on the club's door. No, no, there's a banging. It's a banging, right? It's more yeah, a banging than a knocking. We already yeah. know what it is, and they Yeah, we already, know. we already know it's it's Beverly, and she's bouncing up against the door, and Tommy says this great, this m- moment of pure genius, really, <laughs> where where he really shows his true intelligence, and he goes, oh, I wonder if that's the owner. <laughs> he thinks, even though he knows she's out there, he wonders yeah. if it might be the owner, so he, he opens, opens the door. The door. He just opens it and lets her in. Now, if you want to talk about, like, continuing the plot, okay, you, you, the, this part of the movie, you have to somehow get Beverly into that club. That's yeah. important to make the climax work. How you're not going to do it is have her knock on the door and someone just open it and let her in for no reason. Yeah. Uh, I love, and now, of course, Beverly comes in and she starts attacking people and, and she is, she seems nice enough, but she doesn't, she attacks people by kind of pushing them and, and like pulling their hair and pulling their hair and stuff like that. But the old man and uh, Bertha and Hank, uh, they they go to the bar to start mixing up these ingredients. Even with, he's, I guess he's hoping that it's going to jog his memory. Yeah. But and he's like, oh, oh, got it, got to take my time with it. Got to, you know. <laughs> he goes so slow. I mean, he's putting he these is cool as a cucumber, <laughs> making this making this uh, concoction. But it's, by cutting back and forth to all these people freaking out, while him and like, all right, just add a little bit here, a little bit there, <laughs> and this is uh, and he. Um, and in fact, we get, we cut to Tiffany and Sharon, who are two of the girls. They're in a bathroom, and, uh, Sharon goes out with a golf club, and, and, I mean, it's hard to tell what the fuck is going on at this point. All we know is that- But people are dying. People are dying, but who knows who they are. They're girls, and they're dying. Well, all of the generic girls at this point are, I mean, not all of them, a couple of them. I think, like, two, two end up dying. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, uh, Bertha and, and Hank, he finally finishes, uh, putting- the, the, all the ingredients together except for the last one which he can't the remember. One, yeah. But the weird thing is that that happens twice. He says yeah. I'm finished and now we have to figure out what the last one is and then they cut to more bullshit. Then they cut back to them again and then he says it again that oh okay now I've completed it. So something's gone a little funny there. Uh, so I guess Todd Sheets does do two takes sometimes <laughs> and puts them both <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> two takes Todd. Uh, but uh, but he what happens is that Bertha, she reaches into his bag. What is she trying to get? I, I Who knows what she's trying to get. Not really but important. She, but what she finds is a scalpel. There's a scalpel in there. And cuts the shit out of her finger. I think it would have been hilarious if just Hank goes, ha, 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 gotcha again. You idiot. Um, <laughs> I knew what it was the whole time, you dumb bitch. <laughs> but her, she cuts her hand on the scalpel, and that suddenly clicks in his brain. 
Oh, that's right. Blood. Blood is the final ingredient. Now, let me tell you something. If I was making something, it doesn't matter if I'm uh, fucking Harry Potter or something, blood is the thing you always remember. Blood? Well, yeah. That's an easy ingredient to remember. He forgot blood. Hey, it's in you to give to this thing. I mean, this. how could he not remember? Anyway, he didn't remember blood, but now he knows it. Which, by the way, how, did it, how, does, how does it stay a powder if he's putting blood in it? I don't know. Not making sense. <laughs> Look, this shit only happens in low-budget horror films. Yes. <laughs> by the way, uh, a pro... Sorry, I'm, I'm choking on my own rage again. Um, That's all right. Apropos of nothing, <laughs> Beverly just falls down, and she suddenly isn't possessed anymore. Tommy is on the dance floor, which, by the way, this is what the dance-a-thon to death is. Uh, anyone who thought that like they would be possessed or forced to actually dance in some sort of competition, no, this is it. They're just in a club and people are dying. Actually, that would have been so much more entertaining. Yeah. Right, of course. It would have been like a, yeah. a horror, uh, they shoot horses, don't they? And and that could be something. This, not something. This, nothing. Um, so, so Beverly falls down, and Tommy's on the dance floor, and he's trying to find out who's dead and who's not. He's checking. This is really weird, because he's having this sort of sarcastic conversation with Beverly, who's now not possessed. And he goes, mm-hmm. he goes, is it really you? And she goes, no, it's Roger Corman. Wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Our friends are Cause dead because she seems because she seems like the type who would be into Roger Corman, and everybody else is dead. So yeah, you know, now it's the time for Joe. T- timely that she would make that sort of reference, but uh, but yeah, Liz, who's one of the people on the floor, she's dead. She's dead. Her spine dead. is snapped or something, as Tommy or says. Something. Um, but uh, so Tiffany is one of the other girls who are on the dance floor, and he tries to wake her up. By the way, he keeps talking as he's having this conversation with uh, with Beverly. He keeps saying that he needs to go over and check on Tiffany, but he keeps delaying it. She's supposed to be either dead or gravely injured. You think that he would, uh, you know, that would take precedence in this case. Look, we've already established that Tommy is a dumb fuck. Yeah, he is a real <laughs> dumb fuck. But what's even dumber what, is that Tiffany. What, 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 what Tommy what Tommy proves at this point is that not only is he is he unsafe to be around. For other people, but he's actually unsafe to be around for himself too. Like, like he's he is just walking self destruction. Yes, uh, but what we discover now is that the uh, Kandarian demon has left Beverly and is now inside Tiffany. You know, Tiffany, the main character who we barely have seen in the entire movie. Yeah, she gets up and she roars like a lion. She goes roar. <laughs> oh, it's one of the worst noises ever, too, and it's like it's it's headache inducing so bad. And, and she waves her arm around like a, like a four-year-old trying to go, Ah, look at me! Yeah, she waves, yeah. And she, she's like, oh, I'm a lion, you know? She sounds like uh, Simba at the beginning of uh, Lion. Yes, and uh, at the same time, a strobe light starts going off. Yeah, so now it's now it's now it's headache inducing both orally and visually. This is an assault on the senses. It really is. It's very difficult to watch. And um, and then it goes to like a negative. Yeah, effect, it goes right? to a negative effect anyway because because it's you're shooting on VHS. So what what the hell else are you gonna do? Yeah. So the old man, uh, the Hank, has come up on the dance floor with Bertha as his assistant to with an apple. With, yes. And, and they're going to try to use the powder to uh, expel the demon. And um, this is done with a great special effect. Because what he does is he throws the powder at her, uh, and she falls down. <laughs> and that's what happens. <laughs> Yay! This part, again, very, very confusing. Because as this is happening, 
All the living people, all the people who haven't died. Yeah, everybody leaves. They leave. They all run outside, including Bertha in this case. And she runs outside and she goes, where's Hank? And she was right next to him, so I don't know how she lost track. But so she runs outside, and then they cut back to inside, and Hank uh, is throwing the powder at the girls again, who's against the wall, and she's screaming, and she's letting out this terrible scream. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't, I don't want you to try to imitate it. <laughs> He's going to, be gone, you Kenderian devil, be gone. Yeah, and, and, so that thing that happened before where she fell to the ground, I guess that was just the first part of whatever the fuck he was doing. Yeah, she got back. Yeah, so she got back up. Um, but, but, no, then Hank runs out, runs out, he doesn't run, he's in the 70s, he comes out <laughs> with the crystal, he goes, the Kandarian devil is in the ball, he's gone forever! <laughs> I got a kick out of the fact that, uh, that as they come out, there's a huge sign on the front door that says proper attire, uh, required. <laughs> I, just, I just got a huge kick out of that. So, we're 60 minutes into the movie. Yes, we are an hour into the movie, and it appears to be over. Now we're... We're done with that storyline. It's done, <laughs> and uh, and now we we we're at uh, the, the very next scene where there's these two girls walking down the street. Right. You know, and I love I love when low budget films do these outdoor shots, like where like on on a street, like where they obviously they they probably don't have permits. <laughs> um, you know, they they probably don't have any kind of permission, so they're they're just in public essentially. And there's always some jackass who has to honk his horn. Needless to say, they're out there and they're talking. In the but the fuck, I mean, the really stupid thing is that he has no need. I mean, let's face it, there's no need to record background noise in a scene like that where it's just two people walking. He should have just, yeah. you know, he, you know, I, I don't want to be too critical because again, we're talking about a time period where where editing software was was, I mean, was not what it was like now. He, he, no, you know, he's, he's but, editing probably I, like a, a, no, no. But I but I learned I learned video editing on a VHS to VHS machine. Sure, it's not hard to, to take out the background. Yeah, it just <laughs> you wouldn't think that that would have been left in. But I guess it's just like wherever this takes place, there's just a bunch of assholes around. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it was shot in Kansas City. Oh, well, I think all of his films are shot in Kansas City. Yeah, I think all City. of his. Yeah. So proven, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. People listening from Kansas City, I'm sure it's lovely. Look, we have no listeners in Kansas City, so fuck that. <laughs> Algeria, on the other hand, those people are brilliant. Algeria, number one, USA. Patui. <laughs> well, this scene, by the way. Okay, yeah. So the. the We've we've lost the, the that whole beginning story. That's over. Two girls are going to go into the antique shop that we saw at the very beginning, and there's this great song playing in the background by Noki and Key, most likely. And the lyrics are "Ring around the fire all through the night, quenching their evil desires." <laughs> Look, that's that is some fine fine rhyming right there. Ah oh, man, I, I, this is we could have used another prehistoric bimbo's. Uh, Maybe a remix this time, so just something. Mm. Um, so these girls go into the antique shop, and guess what they're looking for, Mo? Guess what they're looking to purchase? Huh. I'm going to make a wild guess and say a grandfather clock. Nine. Uh, no. It's, <laughs> no. 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 They're, no. They're clearly looking for a crystal. Ball. They're looking for crystal balls. And what we learned, by the way, because the person behind the counter—they say, "Do you have crystal balls?" And uh, and mm-hmm. there's, a, there's like a young guy behind the counter, and he didn't even come up with a funny line to respond to that with. Yeah, I would have been like, uh, "Yeah, you want to see him?" That's not funny either, Mo. That's creepy. These are young girls here. Uh, oh yeah, huh? Yeah, they're kind of. So young. we discovered that this is the grandson of the of. Um, <laughs> Hank, Hank, Hank and Bertha. 
And uh, and he they're, they're sick. sick or we something, don't know why yeah. they're sick. Maybe the events of the movie up to that point is why they're sick. Um, and they ask for crystal balls, and he goes, "Oh, I don't think we have any. I'm going to go back in the back and check." Mm. And guess what he finds back there? Ah, <sighs> crystal ball. He finds a crystal ball, and he sells it to them for the great price of $5. By the way, since the other one was sold for $10, they should be pissed not just because he's selling a crystal ball with a Kandarian demon inside, but also because he's giving it away for a very low price. Look, look. They've made $15 profit on this one crystal ball. They shouldn't be mad at anything. <laughs> it's like a scam that they got going. It's a scam, yeah. They sell it to somebody, the Kandarian demon gets out, they go save the day, collect the collect it back again, sell it to somebody else, go, you know, save the day again. It's it's a scam. Yeah. It's it's a very painful looking scam. Um, <laughs> so these girls buy it, they take it back to their home or wherever. The, their plan is that they're going to scare their friends out of their wits. I don't know how. It's just a crystal ball. It's not that scary to look at. But yeah. as they're talking about scaring their friends, they just start to laugh. They go, ha, 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 And they laugh for too long in a very movie way where they just keep <laughs> laughing and laughing. And it's actually a little bit disturbing to watch as the camera yeah. shows us. Very slowly pans over to the crystal ball, and the ball starts glowing. And then cue the stupid wolf howl again. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, we get the, this ridiculous laugh from the, I'm assuming, from the ball. Oh, <laughs> no, that's right. It's the guy from... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Mr. X from fucking Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's Mr. X from the classic video game Kung Fu. Um, <laughs> and, and, uh, by the One of my best impressions. <laughs> that is quality. That, that and Kermit are your best impressions. Um, and then, guess what happens? Tenderian Demon. What? Guess what happens then? The end. The end. The movie ends. That's it. We have seen all of uh, Sorority Babes and the Dance-A-Thon of Death, and the credits roll, and Yay. the credits have a few notable things. Um, the the fact that, uh, in fact, one of the characters, well, one of the credits is for Brown Noser, and that's someone named Johnny Boy. One of those inside jokes, I'm sure, which was really amusing back in 1992. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I noticed, Mo, is that there is a dialogue coach credited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very strange, I guess. I mean, it did seem like some of the uh, sorority girls that perhaps English was not their first language, but maybe it was to make them sound less uh, Kansas City-like. I don't know. What the fuck would you need a dialogue coach on it? Maybe it's to, it's to teach the old man how to say Kandarian. Uh, no, 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 Hank, Hank. I'm assuming they called him by his character's name, Hank. Yeah, old Hanky. It's it's Kandarian. Kandarian. Uh, cosmopolitan <laughs> demon. No, no, no. And dear, I got myself here a uh, Constantinople. No, can I got myself here a Canadian? No, no, no. <laughs> I wish it was a Canadian demon. That would have been a much better movie. <laughs> I'm going to kill you, eh? <laughs> this uh, I feel bad because Hank is keep his keep his stick on the ice. I'm sure Hank is no longer with us, so we shouldn't make fun of his ability to. I'm not making fun of him. <laughs> I'm making fun of the dialogue code. There are some uh, special thanks to a number of different people: H.G. Uh, Lewis, Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, the usual. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, always. Their homeboy. Uh, there's also a big no thanks to the Kansas City Film Commission, who are very close-minded, apparently. <laughs> and the big one is that there's a uh, big, big fuck you. rot in hell for Blockbuster Video, Jack Valenti, and the Nazi lovers at the MPAA, all fat, lying, abusive ministers who accuse us of being porno makers, and last... John Ashcroft for trying to tell me what to watch on TV. <laughs> Let the eagle soar. <laughs> yeah, so uh, there was obviously 
they were having a lot of trouble with the MPAA. I'm da- well, you can certainly tell around around what time this was because I mean, yeah, there's the Jack Thompson reference, and he was, you know, like he he was on he was on one of his huge uh, benders around this time, and, uh, and and yeah, the MPAA were being assholes around this time. Because John Ashcroft really ended up being and an John asshole Ashcroft for another decade always. or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, John Ashcroft was a piece of shit for the next fucking however many years, um, and. Um, and Blockbuster, because Blockbuster, A, probably wouldn't have stocked any, any of Todd's film. And, uh, and, and B, they had, around the time, I believe, I don't know if they still do it or not. I don't even know if they're still even a company or not. Um, but I know that, uh, that uh, at the time, they were, uh, they were editing films. They were editing like films, they were and they refused to carry unrated films. So there were, there yeah, were a lot yeah. of the editing that was going on in films was specifically to get it into Blockbuster. So, yeah. But it is, but it is kind of ironic when you think about it that, uh, that that all these people were calling him, uh, you know, a pornographer when this is like one of the cleanest movies I've ever Absolutely. seen. Absolutely, and much cleaner than the film that it purports to be a sequel to. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, it, it's you're right. It would not be hard. It would take uh, just a tiny. This movie would have gotten into blockbuster, no problem. Well, it would get into blockbuster, except for the fact that that it would, if you made a nice enough cover. Hey, if Terror Tunes could get into fucking blockbuster, then mm. who knows, right? But um. And that one has tits. That one has tits. Thank you. I mean, they're horrible tits, but they're tits. <laughs> that really says it all, doesn't it? And also, we get yeah. some comical credits where it says, like, turn the damn thing off. Don't you have anything better to do? Which I didn't, by the way. I was actually uh, wanted to watch I never have anything better to do. Uh, <laughs> I had something better to do. Watch the movie again from the beginning. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch Star Trek: Next Generation. That's a good point because the next thing that it says is on the screen: "Wise men say all Trekkies must get a life." Oh, that's funny. That's right. That's what it says. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, totally forgot about that. So I guess uh, Todd Sheets has something against Trekkies. And then at the very end it says... Well, he's probably just making a Shatner joke. Because I think this was around the time when Shatner had made that classic Get a Life. I mean, jo- uh, that's the kind of joke that will never age. <laughs> well, that one won't. True, I don't I think. But, uh, I, you know, I, I think I think every other joke he made is... is I mean, like, I mean, I guess if we were watching this in, in like, even in the mid-90s, it, would, it still would have been somewhat funny. But, I mean... It's 2012. I mean, it's just not. It's just not funny anymore. Um, and it does end with with on the screen for some reason. It says buy slime cola wherever soft drinks are sold. And I guess that's a joke as well. But I don't really get it. Yeah. I guess that's what I get for sticking around for the entirety of the credits of this shit pit of a fucking movie. Well, I'm gonna go search. I'm gonna go look for slime cola. Yeah, you should because I'm sure you'll find. Maybe you'll find it on eBay. Four hundred dollars a bottle, if it at all exists. Uh, maybe it was the Fago of the time, <laughs> or maybe fa- maybe <laughs> Fago was the Fago of the time. I don't even know. Uh, um, so that's the end of the movie. That's the end of the credits. That is all there is to Sorority Babes and the Dance of Thon of Death. And uh, we can, without reservations, tell you that you should not watch it because it is fucking. Horrible. And anyway, even if you wanted to watch it, I don't even think, aside from getting this box set, there's an easy way to do so. Yeah. Uh, the review that I put up on Daily Grindhouse, I got a, a shot of the VHS box for it. And just look at the VHS box. And it was the only only cover I could find at all art in terms of this movie. And wa- look at it and say, oh, that's a movie I wanted to see. It looks, it is representative of the movie inside, at least, in that it looks so cheap and so awful. Um mm. Again, I think, and I, I know we've been incredibly negative, I think Todd Sheets, his effect on low-budget film and low-budget filmmakers has been almost entirely positive. But the actual films that he was making at this time period, the early 90s, are, I mean, I, I know you like some of them, Mo, but we're, 
between this and Prehistoric Bimbos, which is a little bit better, and Nightmare Asylum, those are you can you can only very tangentially refer to them as films. They are something else entirely. They are uh, tests of will and tests of strength. Uh, <laughs> you are going to be put through the emotional ringer trying to make your way from the beginning to the end of that movie. Yeah. So what did you think of the movie, Mo? This one? Yeah. Awful. It's really bad. What was your favorite part of it? Uh, favorite? Yeah, let's say, let's have a couple of nice things to say about it. Well, I mean, Hank. Mm-hmm. Hank's probably my favorite part of the movie, really. And, he's, and the thing about Hank is that his character, he's intentionally being funny. The way that he abuses his wife with his words is supposed to be funny, and it is. Yeah. So that's, that is a victory. An attempt and a success, that is as clear a victory as there is in this movie. Yep. Yeah, uh, and uh, and there are there are a few so bad it's good style moments in the movie where. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of Tommy's dialogue delivery is is humorous enough in its horribleness. Um, I mean, all of, all of the you know sorority babes are just awful. Yeah. That like uh, there's there's not really a, a redeeming one in the bunch, uh, save maybe Beverly, um, who is still not very good. I mean, except for when she's jumping and, and bouncing into a wall and laughing. That's yeah. that's brilliant. You know, it's, that's fucking Oscar-worthy material right there. But, it is, yeah, it's just not... I mean, the problem with this movie is there's just not really anything going for it. You know, I mean, like, like I liked... I liked Nightmare Asylum. I know you didn't, but I liked Nightmare Asylum because it has just some really ridiculous moments and, and like it has some good gore and there are, there actually are some redeeming qualities. I mean, that's the thing it. about Nightmare Asylum is that it, it you know, there, there's reasons to be upset at that movie in terms of its quality, in terms of acting, in terms of writing. Yeah. But it does yeah. deliver on what it promises, which is that it says that it's going to provide nightmare imagery, which it does for better or for worse, and it provides a lot mm. of gore, which it, it's yeah. supposed to. This movie is uh, this one fails on all on like everything it it. it, it so, but it doesn't just fail, it also it misleads the audience. Because when you say that yeah. something is the biggest, boobiest, bimbo fest of them all, and look, like, like I even wrote, I think I wrote this in the review, but if you want to see, if you want to see breasts, if you want to see nudity, it's a very easy, we live in the internet age where it takes you two seconds, you can find all you want. That's not what we're saying here, that we're just like, oh, we wanted to see tits, so we're so upset. No, I'm a little upset because they promised something. And then didn't deliver. And that is representative of a disrespect for your audience. Yeah, in the time it took you to say that, I just looked up tits on Google and I've got a million. Yeah, can you email me the results of that to my... Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Good stuff. But uh, (laughs) that's what makes me kind of most upset about this movie. Yeah, we knew it was likely not going to be good in terms of production value and, and in terms of acting. But the fact that it wouldn't deliver on the things that it said it would, and it very clearly said that it would, that is, uh, as the review says on the IMDb, <laughs> that makes it abominable. It is a crime. I'm sorry, I'm sorry what was that? I, I'm a little distracted. Sorry, right. continue to be distracted, Mo, because yeah. we're finished the movie. That is all Yay. we ever have to talk about. Look, Tachis, I hope you had a very happy birthday. I hope your new film is going to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. I legitimately can't. I mean, I don't want to judge someone on a movie that they made, what, 20 years ago. Uh, but uh, all we can say, all we can do is judge it on what it is and what we can uh, get out of it. And this is a terrible, terrible, terrible fucking movie. Well, well, I mean, let's also clarify that we've actually had some 
some contact, mi- minor sure. contact with Todd Sheets over the last couple of weeks. And, and, uh, and one of the things he did say that I absolutely uh, find hilarious is that he kind of like, he kind of like has distanced himself from, uh, from all of the movies that he made like pre 1996, I think he right. said, uh, you know, and, and, and this is, very clearly falls in that realm. Uh, again, Tachi, it's not only do I think he's a great personality and he's still chugging along and he has his own radio show and it, it, it's very good. Uh, and also, he has a lot of fans and I don't want to disrespect the people who do love these films. I'm always... No, and, and, and as and as I've said a million times, I am a huge fan of Yes. I, I love Tachi. Again, I love what he represents and what he his influence was. And, and to be honest, I've seen movies that he's produced and that he has uh, worked on that I enjoyed a lot. This, the movies that we have seen, especially the two for this uh, for this podcast, are definitely not his best efforts. Um, mm-hmm. And and really, uh, while I wouldn't be ashamed to have them on my filmography necessarily. Hey, uh, anything is at least they're finished products. But uh, they are they're not something you want to show off as the peak of your abilities. I think that that yeah. goes without saying. Sure. So. That's the movie, and it's bad. And I know that even though we just went through it for an hour and a half, someone's going to ask me where they can find a copy and so they can watch it for themselves. Yeah. I didn't realize how many masochists that we knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of been the weirdest thing for me in this, in this whole thing. Is like, you know, we've been very clear from episode one that we're watching these movies, you know, and I hate to use this phrase because everybody fucking uses it, but we are very much... Watching these movies so that other people don't have to. Yeah, but you know what though? I, I think that goes a little far. And what I mean by that is, is we are going into these movies in the hopes that we're going to find. We don't. We don't look for. Sometimes when people say that something's really terrible and we have to see it, we'll go and watch yeah. it. But this movie, we don't go into it thinking, "Oh boy, let's enjoy this piece of shit." I'm going into it with the hope that it's no. going to be good because it could. No, be. exactly. And and that's and that's also been. I think that's also been pretty clear from from the get go of us of us doing this too. Is that we're not looking for bad movies. We're looking for good movies. You know, but we're looking for good movies in an area of film that is notorious for bad. Right, movies. and when you talk about genre films in general, like a horror film or or like a uh, or even a suspense film or something like that, the percentage of them that are good, we're still, you know, even in big budget Hollywood movies, you're only talking 10%, 5%, maybe less than that. And now yeah. we're taking taking uh, people with limited resources, limited skills, and so that percentage goes down to uh, like a, a percentage like a point Maybe a point three zero or point zero three. Who knows? I mean, we're talking about this is un uh, undiscovered territory for the most part. Uh, th- these yeah. are movies that, in some cases, don't even have IMDb reviews or, or have no uh, no cover art. We're 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 in it at the hopes that we're going to discover something really special, and we have. But this is not it. This is bad, and this is not something that you should waste your time with. I don't really like watching bad movies anymore. I mean, there are some that are a lot of fun because they're so bad, but I, there are so many great movies that I don't get to watch because I don't have time that to, to waste all my time on bad movies anymore, it just feels like a real waste. I mean, you could be watching Chuck Norris movies right now, but instead you were watching Sorority Babes and the Dance of Thon of Death. I'm glad you mentioned Chuck Norris. Because, uh, because I have officially finished my Chuck Norris collection. Like, not watching them, obviously, oh. but I, I now own them all. <laughs> I own, I own like 32 Chuck Norris films. You know, believe it or not, that's all, that's all he has. He's, he doesn't have, he doesn't have as many films as you'd, as you'd think, you know? 
It's not like Steven Seagal, who I think is up to like 470 <laughs> now. <laughs> and every single one of them, he's only said four lines and is actually taking about 15 steps. But um, <laughs> He's getting more and more bloated as it goes along. He really is. It's, it's creepy. Now, you just watch you watch his career go, and it's just getting fatter and fatter. Now, now, but I own every Chuck Norris Now, Mo, I should mention, just because I'm sure a lot of people who are listening are thinking this, that I don't like Chuck Norris as a person or as an actor, and I don't like oh, no, me neither. films. And I, yeah, I don't, I don't like him as a person. I, I, I think he has maybe three good movies. Um, I, I am just, I'm conducting an experiment. Uh, somebody asked me one time how many good Chuck Norris movies there are, and I couldn't honestly answer because I'm like, I don't know. I think I that's a worthy have... experiment. I think it'll be very yeah. interesting to see. Yeah, I said, I, I said, I haven't seen all of his movies, so I can't give you an honest answer of that. And, and I'm like, all right, well, uh, that gives me an idea. Let's buy and watch every <laughs> Chuck Norris movie, and I will give people. A, a, a very, you know, cause I, cause people don't realize this because I do this podcast, but people don't realize that I have very good taste in movies. You know, like I'm, I, I don't just watch shit. I watch a lot of shit and I love shit, but, um, but I do watch good movies too and I can legitimately judge whether or not a movie is in all honesty, good or bad. I've always made the the argument, uh, rightly or wrongly, that the best way to be able to tell that something has quality is to see how bad it can get. So seeing the very worst gives you a much better perspective on the very best. Exactly. I mean, to, to never watch a bad movie, really, you really have no uh, real sense of how great the great movies are. I mean, again, like yeah. yourself, I mean, I watch... A lot of films that that even the difficult movies, movies that are very slow, or, or I don't think of them as challenging. I think of them as a relief after watching movies that are. I mean, it's it's like going from hot water to cold water, right? Yeah, I yeah, mean, it, yeah. It, it it really is sometimes a breath of fresh air. I'm going to mix a bunch of metaphors together here, but <laughs> but but really, I, it's it's not that we we love it so much. We we want to be watching things that make us happy. But we also, because of the kind of, of, of movie lovers that we are, are the kind of people who we want to discover something and reveal it to people. So that's what it's yeah. all about. It's all about discovery. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I talk yeah. about, uh, you know, a lot of the writing I do over at Daily Grindhouse, I mean, this is a really good example because I just uh, did another uh, review uh, on the Bloody Cuts project, the UK anthology horror project. And I just uh, interviewed uh, – I've been interviewing people all along involved with that project. And it's great, and it's low budget, and they're doing amazing things, and and I'm so happy to be able to contribute my opinion to that, and and that's the kind of thing I like to shine a light on. And if Sorority yeah. Babes and the Dance of Thon of Death was like that, boy, I'd be over the moon. But it's yeah. and and it has potential because they had a camera, they had some ability, they had actors, they had the time, but it it it's not. This is not something you you want to subject yourself to. No, this one in particular, no. Yes, this one in particular. But we're going to keep searching, and we're going to find something worth bringing to you, our, our devoted Algerian listeners. <laughs> Algeria Uberon. Yes. Mo, what are we... We'll, 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 <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Mo, what will we be covering... <laughs> Moses, what will we be covering... <laughs> Let my people go. <laughs> Let my people come. Um... Uh, Mo? Puppets, puppets. Well, let my puppets come. Uh, Mo, what will we be covering next on Daily Grindhouse Presents No Budget Nightmares? Uh, well, I mean, th- thankfully, because we actually figured this one out last time, that cuts out a good ten minutes of conversation <laughs> we had from the last the last episode, the last time we recorded. But uh, we will be watching the 2003, quote-unquote, classic, Gorno. 
Uh, IMDb, it's written as Gorno, an American tragedy. Uh, and it also says, it says, it says there that it's I, I agree. I'm sure that's accurate. Uh, and, and we know nothing about it going in. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Uh, nothing whatsoever. And that's great. And Mo picked this one, by the way, because I've obviously <laughs> shown an inability to choose correctly and choose well. Well, yeah, with human behavior and now this, yeah. Yeah, so the next yeah. film is, you're bad at is 2004's Gorno. Uh, I like porno with gore for those who are curious. I always worry whenever, like, whenever we pick a film that's, like, past, like, 2002, I'm always a little worried, you know, because, like, there's not a, there's not a really good track record. <laughs> you know, the more, the more recent the film gets, like, the more likely it is to be pretty bad. Oh, yeah, because we've had so much luck with, uh, with Sorority Babes and the Dance of Fine and Death and I'm Nightmare just, Asylum. Just, <laughs> I am just saying, I am just saying, at least those films have more character. Well, let's hope that Gorno has character out the ass because uh, yeah. we could use a little after after the, really the last two movies we watched. Which were, I have I have hopes for this. You know, I, like I, I'm going to go into it with an open mind and see and see. Uh, you know, I, I like I like I like the term Gorno. I mean, I think it's a little ridiculous because it's basically it's like. Um, like before torture porn was called torture porn, it was called Gorno. Right. Yeah. Right. And. and and so, I mean, so obviously that's where they're getting this title from. So I'm interested in seeing what they do with it. I have kind of, I have high hopes. Well, let's let's keep uh, let's keep positive. Let's keep optimistic. Uh, yeah. Before we finish up here today, let's uh, we need to cover a little bit of housekeeping. Um, the first thing I want to do, uh, just because so people can they don't want to hear our opinions on things, they can just cut out. Uh, if people want to reach us or follow us, what are the best ways for them to do so? You son of a bitch. Uh-huh. What? Let's hear it, Mo. I'm hoping we can get past this. All right. they want to contact us? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, there's the, the first and foremost, there is our Facebook page. Right. They can contact us, and we now have our own Facebook page, like, URL. Uh, URL, yeah. Uh, it is facebook.com slash no budget nightmares, no spaces. No spaces, no budget nightmares on Facebook, or just yep. do a search for no budget nightmares? Yeah, you'll find it either way. Um, you could contact either one of us on Twitter. I am at drunk on VHS. I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. And we'll, we'll, you know, we love, uh, people following us on Twitter because we have all of our stupid opinions coming out. <laughs> and sometimes you can hear us respond to some of these movies in real time. Yeah. Yeah, they, it usually consists of, what the fuck? <laughs> and Mo, what if people just wanted to contact us directly? What would be the best way for them to do that? Well, if they wanted to email mm-hmm. us, they could contact us at the shockingly embarrassing uh, no budget nightmares dg at gmail.com. So wait, it's no budget nightmares, all one word. So we, we remove the dash altogether in all the spaces. So it's no Correct. budget nightmares dg as in daily grindhouse. dg as in daily grindhouse. At gmail.com. That's, that's yeah. just terrible. That is, that is absolutely <laughs> the awful. Worst. And, the worst and I recommend people don't send emails to that. Address because uh, we need to teach them a lesson for ever creating that email address, that needlessly convoluted, lengthy email address. Uh, I'm so, I'm so, like, like, I, I really hope that there aren't people who are listening to the earlier episodes <laughs> and sending emails to the, to the other, like, good email <laughs> well, address that I lost. Considering that nobody has sent one to this email address, I don't think we have anything to worry about, even after we begged them on the last episode. I know. We, yeah, there was, there was serious begging going on, and we've gotten nothing. The, like, the only time I ever get emails in response to the show is when it was when people on Potomatic want to become our friends. I like when people are our friends. I like friends, and I like people. <laughs> so I want them. To- we have a, we have a very odd, uh, oddly large following of, like, like dance club DJs 
who follow us on Podomatic. Uh, I'm constantly getting updates from from other shows who are posting new episodes, and it's all like people's like sets from like dance club mixes they've done the last at their last like well, DJ well, session. It's very well, weird. Well, they recognize my beatboxing skills are are beyond reproach, and and then I why, why don't you why don't you hiss with a little bit of that b boy beatboxing? You didn't. I thought you were going to start freestyling, but you didn't. So no, no, no. I don't freestyle. Oh. I, I'm. Uh, I don't have those kind of skills. Dunka, dunka, dunka. All right, that's enough of that. Uh, Man, that's the best. You may actually qualify as the best Canadian beatboxer. There we go. Actually, that actually that's not true. I actually have maybe, 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 heard. <laughs> I've actually <laughs> heard. No. I've actually heard some Canadian beatboxers recently who were amazing. So, so no, you do not qualify as the best Canadian beatboxer. Well, something to aspire to, I suppose. Yeah. Mo, uh, before we finish up today, what movies have you watched recently that have maybe, hopefully, gotten the taste of this film out of your mouth? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, let, let me pull up my... Letterboxed. Uh, my, <laughs> my, well, I was going to say my niece. Oh, okay. But, uh, let's cut all this shit out. Hey, what's going on, Mo? Watching movies? Watch a derpa derpa. Um, so let's see. So I have recently watched, uh, <laughs> actually last night we, me and the guys had, uh, had movie night. We watched Yor, the Hunter from the oh, Future. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, gotta love me, gotta love you some Red Brown. And, uh, and we watched this movie called Zipper Face. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, that sounds familiar. It's so ridiculous. It's like that, like this S and M killer, uh, and like there are so many red herrings in the film. Like, <laughs> like, like, like they, they. It's so ridiculous. Like they're just constantly tossing out like these ridiculous little like clues that it might be this guy or it might be this guy, you know. And it, and, it, and it's and it's kind of set up like a horror film, but it's really more of like a police procedural. Right. It's very weird. Right. And uh, let's let's see. Well, I watched. I uh, just to let you know. Last night I watched Death Race two thousand for the first time nice. in a couple of years. Uh, you know, it's interesting when I saw Death Race two thousand for the first time as a teenager. Um, I think I was I was such an idiot as a teenager because I was a kind of moron who was so into horror movies but was very much in for the violence and I've kind of gotten away from that as I've gotten older and older and older but uh, at the time I really liked it but I was like oh man I just wish it was more violent um, but watching it now it's so brilliant I mean it, it's it's crazy how much better it is than like 99% of the exploitation movies that were coming out at that time sure uh, sure yeah well you gotta you gotta remember because like because uh, I mean as much as violence was a part of it it was really way more into like the the into like the satire yeah. the, you know like the the social the social commentary and it's interesting that I watched that right after watching uh, the Hunger Games which is the re- actually <laughs> watching the Hunger Games in, in theater was one of the reasons I wanted to watch Death Race 2000 because believe it or not um, and and I haven't read the Hunger Games books. I didn't go into I have. it. I've read all three. I haven't. I didn't go into it with the idea that uh, I wasn't cynical about it because of the battle royale connection or anything like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I heard. I heard you defending defending it against the battle royale. Com- and I'm sick of the battle royale, yeah, royale comparisons. Exactly. It's, it, they're 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 unnecessary and inaccurate. Yeah. Look, I don't give a shit if it was a total ripoff. That's fine by yeah. me as long as it's good. Um, yeah, exactly. But the Hunger Games, the, its visual style. Uh, and I don't know how much of this is taken from the book, is very much in the pre-Star Wars 70s sci-fi mold of the Omega Man nice. and Logan's Run and Death Race 2000. And, and I really love that it, its view of, I know it's not the future, like our future, but its view of this kind of science fiction-y future is, is yeah. very much in the mold of kind of that 
old style, not not kind of like the modern Minority Report style uh, that was. It's a very, on. it's a very, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it is, it is kind of uh, uh, not entirely, but kind of like post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. to an extent. And yeah, and, and you're right. Yeah, it does. I mean, like the books don't go out of its way to make it feel like this, but it does have sort of a very uh, uh, '80s kind of feel. And I mean, I, I feel, know. and again, people have written books about the Hunger Games, and I don't just mean the books themselves, but I mean people have yeah. written trees on them. But really what I'm trying to say is that if you are comparing it to Battle Royale, Hunger Games is, is very much more of a, a, a of kind of a more over our well-being and larger satire compared to Battle Royale, which is very much about the interconnections between uh, cliques and students and things like that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's more, much more personalized. But uh, but it, I mean, both are very good movies. I was very pleased with Hunger Games, and maybe it's because my expectations were not super high going in. But I really enjoyed it, and I do have to yeah, and don't and yeah, and don't get me wrong, man. I fucking I mean, Battle Royale is an, I love an amazing movie. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not yeah, I don't want to disparage Battle Royale in any I way. I think some people are under I, the impression that you have to like one or the other. But guess what? You can like good movies and dislike yeah. ones that are not good, and that's fine. Yeah. And I also saw the Raid Redemption, and everyone should see that fucking because it's amazing. I need to I need to watch that. I don't I don't know if it's playing around here anywhere. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to take a look. I was lucky enough to see it in Toronto uh, when it it, uh, it was very limited engagement before the wider re- release. But I mean, it's a good thing because there's no way it's playing where I live. Yeah, nice. I yeah, I'll, I'll have to take a look for that. Uh, let's see. So I also watched Things. I watched Things. Canadian again. content. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Things is one of my favorite low budget films of all time. I, I absolutely love it. It's one of it's the best. Uh, let's see. And uh, and I remember last time we talked, we had mentioned we had talked briefly about um, uh, we had gone off on a on a Spalding Gray tangent because I had mentioned watching mm-hmm. uh, and everything is going that, fine. That's what we talked about on the, on the last episode when we uh, yeah and and uh, and you mentioned enjoy very well. Uh, I loved it. I loved and it. And I, I loved, loved it as well. I'm a big Spalding Gray fan, and and it was great to see at least one more monologue from Spalding Gray. You also um. Actually, uh, I also mentioned watching the documentary "Shut Up, Little Man" on, uh, which is awesome, which is awesome on on Netflix about uh, uh, audio verite. Again, lots, so many great documentaries on Netflix. Uh, we could spend all day talking about them, but uh, but needless. <laughs> well, I think you had I think you had made a joke once. That, well, uh, you know that, that we should start another podcast where we just talk about the documentaries. I, I don't think there's one. I mean, sure there is one out there, but I don't think there's one that that covers strictly bizarre documentaries. But uh, yeah, and that's all I watch. I don't watch. I don't. I tend not to watch any like straightforward documentaries. I tend to watch the really bizarre ones. Like I just watched um, the other day. I watched uh, Strange Powers, the Stephen Merritt right. uh, documentary, and it was really great. Now I had no idea who the Magnetic Fields were. Oh, really? I never heard okay. of them. Yeah, I love the Magnetic um, Fields. I I am I grew up uh, very close-minded musically. Like I was not into anything that wasn't, like, fucking punk rock. Like, basically, from the time I was, like, 12 to the time I was, like, 27, I listened to essentially nothing but punk rock. And uh, and only after my divorce did I really... I mean, I, was, I started listening to a lot of, like, power pop, like, while I was still married and, uh, and was starting to get into other weird shit. But now I'm, like, I'm all over the place musically. Like, I listen to, like, fucking... I, I listen to just as much disco as I do, <laughs> as I do, like, power pop. Or, I think a or, lot of it is that you need to let go, right? Especially it happens yeah. when you get older. You let go of these pre preconceptions. About, exactly. And, and you can really start 
listening to the music that's presented to you. Again, let's yeah. not get on a tangent on that, but that, that no, 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 I haven't no, no, seen no. that documentary yet. I, I really but I, I watched, I watched, like I, like, I was like, I don't know anything about this. I'm going to give it five minutes, and if something grabs my attention, I'll watch the rest of it. So what happens is in the first five minutes, Stephen Merritt pulls out his ukulele collection, and I'm like, fuck, I am in. <laughs> Mo is a ukulele uh, uh, player, uh, enthusiast. Enthusiast, yeah. yeah so you can, I don't know if I'm not that good, but I mean, I'm working on and it. You can hear more about that on his Twitter feed at Drunk on VHS. Uh, and, and you I can, do talk about and you can hear me respond to it with tittering and laughter uh, from my <laughs> Twitter feed. Everybody, everybody makes fun of me. I don't make fun of you, Mo. In fact, I love the ukulele, and uh, and I don't really want you to play anything except for the Rainbow Connection, but that's fine. Um, that's, I guess that's more of a banjo, isn't it? <laughs> No, well, yeah, they do that, but I mean, you can play that on ukulele. You can play. Oh, look, it's out! It's out and about. <laughs> Why are there so many? And you can do your Kermit impression too. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Jesus Christ! <laughs> ah, look at you! Do my Fozzie? That didn't really work out. <laughs> okay, before things get too ridiculous, we should probably end things. We've gone quite long enough, I think. Yeah, I'm going to cut like half of this That's out. fine. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, two hours. Awesome. We, we hit it. We hit the two-hour mark, just about. Yeah, and, and just a reminder to people, we, we're still looking for uh, for, for for good, um, you know, for, what, what do they call it? What? Uh, what are we looking for? Like closers, you know, like like closing lines oh, for us to right. say. What do, they, what do they call that? Uh, I would call them closing lines. Fine, closing lines. We're, we, you know, Bumpers? email us at, at nobudgetnightmaresdg at gmail.com. Wait, we want them to email that email address? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just email DM us. us on Twitter or something. We're on Facebook. No, no, no. Email it. To all us. right, all right. And that way, that way, we, that way, we'll remember who 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 sent it to us, and we'll give credit where credits due. All right, let's do that. And yes, you can be, you can have your name mentioned on No Budget Nightmares. That, that, I'm sure you're overjoyed at the thought. Of, Especially if you're Algerian, we want, we want, we want to hear from you. Yes, please, Algeria, continue to support us. But besides that, good night, everybody. Oh shit! My entire, my whole thing didn't record. I'm going to murder Mo. I'm going to Connecticut <laughs> right now. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. All right, bye bye. Good night, folks. DailyGrindhouse.com. Tough films for the rough crowd. Follow us on Twitter at Daily Grindhouse. Mo is at Drunk on VHS. And Doug Tilly is at Doug underscore Tilly. The podcast you're currently listening to is part of the Second Unit Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at 2upn.blogspot.com or on our Facebook under the Second Unit Podcast Network. Our fantastic list of shows include... Drunk on VHS. We came from the basement. The After Movie Diner. Something Weird This Way Comes with Rue and Mo. No budget nightmares. And Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. The Second Unit Podcast Network, bringing you the action, leaving the boring stuff to the other guys. Oh my god, there's been a moon diving Phillips pile up on the highway!